0: Who do you think represents the greatest threat to the world today? And we have two for seven choices. Who do you think represents the greatest threat to the world today? Iraq, Iran, Al Qaeda, born again Christians, Israel, G.W. Bush, or Mo Howard David? I think we also ought to put Saudi Arabia on there, don't you? Sure, why not? Well, that's where 15 of the 19 hijackers came from. I just mentioned that again in passing. No, seriously. I mean, why I'm don't we kidding. go in there I mean, and, and knock them off? And then they got a hell of a lot more oil than Iraq,
1: don't they? Right, but they're uh, Bush's partners. Oh, that's right. But They're the business thing. partners. You don't right. go and attack your
0: partners unless you're Hyman Roth. That's right. Maybe we can get Hyman Roth to take care of it.
1: Okay, here's the poll again.
0: Eight choices now. Who do you think represents the greatest threat to the world today? Iraq, Iran, al-Qaeda, born-again Christians, Saudi Arabia, Israel, George W. Bush, and Moe david in fact, uh, I wonder those dead Palestinians who they would have voted for if we uh, gave them the choice yesterday. That was that's a disgusting story, which we'll get to eventually. But we got a heavy plate today, baby. We got more bedtime stories than you can shake your uh, wig at. Here's a good story to start off. Now, feel good story. Station fires DJ for on-air prank involving Carl's widow. Oh, good story. Yes. Piece of crap. Phoenix. A disc jockey who made an on-air prank call to the widow of St. Louis Cardinals pitcher, Daryl Kyle, has been fired. All right. The radio station announced Monday. KUPD-FM, Cupid Radio, morning radio personality Bo Duran called Flynn Kyle at her hotel and asked if she had a date to last Thursday's playoff game. The stunt outraged St. Louis manager Tony Russa and prompted an apology from the Arizona Diamondbacks. KUPD suspended Duran last week, but in a statement released yesterday by the station, General Manager Chuck Artegu said Duran had been fired. The statement also quoted Durant as saying he was truly sorry for having offended Mrs. Kyle and the Cardinals organization. Kyle, a starting pitcher for the Cardinals, died from block coronary arteries in June while in Chicago for a game. But probably the most tasteless, prank isn't even an appropriate word, you know? No. Tasteless, disgusting act in the history of the human race. And like you said yesterday, Opie and Anthony, at least sex in the church was funny. Damn straight. I mean, it wasn't rape because we know rape isn't funny, but it was like voluntary sex. Which we know sometimes can be very funny. Sailors use Navy credit cards to hire, uh, hire prostitutes, because of sex being funny.
1: That's not allowed.
0: Navy personnel use government credit cards to hire prostitutes at brothels, buy jewelry, gamble, and attend New York Yankee and LA Lakers games in fraudulent purchases exceeding $200,000, congressional investigators have found. Oh! lower paid enlisted personnel earning between 12 and 27,000 were the biggest abusers but the navy itself bears responsibility for a failure to monitor the travel card program the GAO concluded the GAO report was prepared for a house hearing uh today and obtained yesterday by the ANP and Wegmans will have it for you tomorrow the study shows the abuses and law loss and what's the other one i always leave out IGA the study Ooh. shows the abuses continued many months after the investigators first publicly reported on problems with and star market don't forget them problems with travel cards from October 2000 through March 2002, the Nurse survey found 1180 Navy transactions with personal items totaling 206700 bucks. How do you like that? Last summer, the GAO found that some 200 Army personnel used the cards to get $38,000 in cash that they spent on lap dances and other forms of entertainment at strip clubs near military bases. All right, well, What's wrong with that? Huh? I, uh, that they have to have like, a little horizontal refreshment you. there. Otherwise, we're going to have... The Navy report said there were 80 transactions, including... 13,000 plus at two Nevada brothels, 199 purchases for 20,800 at two jewelry stores, 247 transactions totaling almost 29 grand at three adult clubs. Boy, sure hope Treasure Island wasn't one of those. 80 gambling transactions for over 34 grand, and 72 cruises for 38,000 bucks. 502 purchase of tickets worth $71,400 to entertainment events, including Phantom of the Opera, Yankee and Braves baseball games, and L.A. Lakers baseball games. And guess what? No more Yankee or Braves games this season. How do you like that, Virginia, huh? Because there ain't no Santa Claus for those guys anymore. And good, good riddance already. Let's get some new blood in there. I'm sure you must have watched that last night. What? <laughs> oh, and that's why I played the Brittany thing, because we were watching uh, George's down there, and I'm up here, and we're like uh, dual, doing dual channel surfing this morning before the show. And uh, what's his name? Matt Lauer there with that chemotherapy haircut of his. <laughs> Matt Lauer had uh, three chicks on there, one of whom was Brittany. Oh!
1: I don't know who the other two were. Some the other one was, was Shakira. Hair. And then the, Sha- I don't know who the Shark was. The
0: other one was Shakira with the bad hair?
1: The blonde, yeah. No. Yeah. Get out of town. That
0: was my friend Shakira. I'm I love Shakira. You. yeah. Well, why didn't you tell me that? I, I, didn't, said, I, didn't said, I said there's a the lucky combo when they were posing she for picture She don't usually together. have that frizzy hair, that Chelsea Clinton hairdo. That's her uh, look now. But anyway... So that's a good combination because she can sing and Britney looks good. I'll tell you, right, anybody can super. say whatever they want about Britney. She looked pristine this morning. Oh. Even oh. an old fag like me, I must confess mm. that it brings a lump to my throat when I saw her on her. She's she's about as perfect looking as any anything can be. Yeah. Oh, brother! In fact, I just conjured up that image of her and Tom Brady doing it. Although Tom's doing pretty good for himself, he's uh, shacked up with uh, who is it? Oh, Tara Reed. Tara Reed. Yeah. Moves in with Super Bowl hungry. Well got that old man. story later on from the Inquirer. Got a full plate, like I said, heavy duty, man. <laughs> heavy duty. You'll be crapping your brains out. But don't let that beast on the air again. Whatever you do, okay. Maybe for the updates, it might be okay, but not on my show when I'm in the building, because I can't stand seeing that little prick. He consorts with those morning scumbags. Not those midday scumbags. No, actually, he did consort with the morning scumbags. Maybe we ought to put him on the outs, too. 913 at 560 WQAM. Hey, you ought to be consorting with our good friends at Dollar Mattress, and they'll hook you up with the best mattress you've ever put your ass on. I guarantee that. If the old mattress just isn't doing it for you anymore, if it's worn out, and believe me, they don't last forever and how do you tell when your back doesn't feel right when you get up in the morning and you know you haven't had a good night's sleep that's a real good indicator that your old mattress is finito so pick up your phone and get a new one the smart way from dial mattress call 1-800-MATTRESS and they give you such a great deal all the way around unbeatable prices unbeatable selection from the top manufacturers in the world service Sealy, Simmons, King Coil, and absolutely unbeatable delivery service when you want them to be there seven days a week you pick today and you pick the two-hour window when it's convenient for you when you're going to be there and they'll be there 10 to noon 11 to 1 etc and that 30 day in-home coverage Comfort guarantee to let you test out the new mattress by sleeping and doing your thing on it for up to a month. So if you want a great new mattress and get a great night's sleep night after night, call that dial a mattress number right now, which is what I always do. 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on that wicked worldwide Web at mattress.com.
2: Five and local. This is The radio is all yours now. <laughs> QAM. Oh.
3: You get a lot of it.
4: With Neil Rogers
2: on Sports Hall Radio, WQAM.
5: Now, Ricky Williams. Ricky
4: Williams, oh God, Ricky Williams.
2: Ah.
6: What's your take on Ricky Williams? Ricky Williams,
2: Ricky Williams, stop. Ah. I want you to issue a memo that says I want all on-air sports staff to obsess over Ricky Williams.
6: Yes, Mr. Reed. Mmm.
2: Ricky Williams. Mm. A blue ribbon effort on the part of Ricky Williams. I think on today's show, we're going to discuss Ricky Williams. Ricky, Ricky Williams. Dad. And uh,
6: Ricky Williams. Oh, man.
2: I got
7: my Ricky Williams poster here. I'm looking at it right now.
5: Uh, I'm on a him. <laughs> Welcome to the WQAM online sport bag wish list. Enter fantasy name drop
2: to express your desire. Dear Mickey Williams, I never asked another man for a date before, but I offer my heterosexuality up to the sacred altar of sports. I still don't know who you are, but I hear your name drop so often. I want you to kill me. Sincerely, no life, Sporthole. Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams. All day. All night. Up your ass. And in your face. Only on Sporthole Radio. 560 W-U-A-M.
0: That'd be a great poll question. uh, Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. Who's got a better do, Ricky Williams or Matt Lauer? There's no I in Al Qaeda, by the way, Eric. I don't want to correct your spelling, but there's no I in that word. That was my spelling
1: in his uh, defense.
0: You know, you're, you're, you're not batting, uh, your batting averages like <laughs> it's when it's school radio. last year. We First of all, yesterday I tried, side. I tried to tell you yesterday that, uh, Oakland scored 49 points against Buffalo. I was wrong on a Buffalo score. I think I said 49-35, it was 49-31. And you're giving me a song that ends about, yeah, I think I got a field goal or anything. I was 52, 52. Yeah, I've been a fountain of found misinformation this week. I don't know. Yeah, you you're really spewing it forth, man. I'll tell you that. You better watch out because you could be Beast Junior if you don't watch yourself. Let's see. What are we doing? Al is Q U E D A. So don't pay attention to Carlos because he's illiterate. Okay, he's kind of like uh, Chief Moose there in Maryland. And, well, no, I don't want to say he's illiterate. But he, what are you laughing about? We were listening this morning, I and uh, I forget what that word was. He said he put a V in a word. It's got like a, uh, I don't know. It sounded like he was saying muffin, even though he wasn't trying to. I don't know what he was saying, man, but it wasn't a word I'd be speaking. And I, if you're going to be the chief of police, it would seem to me that being like, you don't have to be like a rocket scientist, but like at least a little bit articulate would be good. But nevertheless, Miami, and MSNBC, nice job of getting everybody in a panic yesterday afternoon. They were reporting another shooting in that area that never really occurred, but they were like hyperventilating, and getting all hysterical. And guess what? I was right. Alan Keyes is no longer uh, making sense. He's off. He's gone. Miami man convicted for beating girl to death over sausages. Remember that story? Yes. Well, good news. The Miami man was sentenced to life in prison after he was convicted yesterday of beating his girlfriend's two-year-old daughter to death for eating his breakfast sausages. I wonder if they were Timmy Deans. Juvon Pickett, 22, was convicted of first-degree murder and aggravated child abuse for the 1998 beating of Ashley Smithson, who was taken off life support a month afterward. Circuit Judge Manuel Crespo sentenced Pickett to a mandatory life sentence without parole. Without parole! Pickett slammed Ashley's head against the wall in the refrigerator when she ate a package of sausages meant for him, police said. Pickett also allegedly pressed his fist against her stomach to try to get her to throw up the sausages. I don't want to, I don't even want to speculate what the purpose of that was. Oh, I don't want to go there. If I can't have them, nobody can. Pacintia Bradley, 27, the girl's mother pleaded guilty to manslaughter last year, was sentenced to 11 and a half years. Prosecutor said she stood by and watched the beating. A murder charge was dropped in exchange for her testimony against Pickett, no relation to Bobby Boris Pickett or Wilson Pickett. Maybe that's what they can serve him in jail every day for the rest of his life, is pre-eaten sausages, (laughs) pre-tested. Have you ever had food like that? I've been in some restaurants where I thought that the meal was like pre-tested. U.S. says tanker blast came from within. I huh? can just hear that song now. Was it within or without that Manfred Man thing? you know? Come on, without. Within or come, come on without, without. Yeah, yeah. Was it without? Mighty Quinn. hmm The explosion that punched a hole in a French tanker off the coast of Yemen appears to have occurred within the ship, a senior U.S. State Department official said yesterday. But don't uh, rush to any conclusions because now, for whatever reason, the stories keep changing every five minutes. The French said this because they don't want their insurance, lose their insurance and go bankrupt, that company. And the Yemenis who are too embarrassed by it, they're saying, oh, absolutely, it was an accident. And now the U.S. says, oh, no chance, no terrorism. The tanker carrying 397,000 barrels of crude oil was set afire by the blast Sunday in the Gulf of Aden. Indications were that it was an explosion from inside the vessel, the official said, adding that a variety of sources, including French and Yemeni investigators, have drawn that conclusion from the way the vessel looked after the explosion. State Department spokesman Richard Boucher said the U.S. has offered assistance to the Yemeni and French authorities who are leading the investigation. Experts from the Navy, after they finish at those strip clubs, experts from the Navy are going to Yemen to help with the investigation, he said. I don't see anything wrong with people from the Navy going to them strip clubs or any of that other stuff. The government makes more money in five minutes than they'll ever waste in their lifetime. Why
1: not let them have a good time, okay? Put them in a better frame of mood, especially the enlisted men.
0: How many votes we got on here? The poll is up, by the way. We're not wasting any time. Al-Qaeda, we got nice going, Eric. He got on that right away. We're on top of things today. Twenty-two votes. The most, uh, who rep- represents the great, we did one similar to this a couple of weeks ago, the uh, most dangerous person, but this is a right. person. There are a couple of persons on there. Who do you think represents the greatest threat to the world today? George W. Bush, six. Born again, Christian, six. Saudi Arabia, three. Mohaw David, three. I'll tell you one thing, he represents the greatest threat to the beast, maybe not to the world. Iraq too, Al Qaeda too, and Israel and uh, Iran have none each so far. Let's ask the Palestinians how they feel about that. Speaking of people getting shot up, school shooting linked to sniper. In fact, there's uh, the old Moose man. At capacity.
8: Can you clarify? You just said we were hopeful. That... They,
0: they have no information. No. This guy holds a news conference every 15 minutes and to tell us that now the deal is the investigation is moving forward. They have no suspect. <laughs> they have no clues. They haven't got any freaking idea who's doing these aberrant things, who's shooting everybody. And the thing that I don't understand now—call me crazy, but you're crazy. This business, and he's the one that done it yesterday. He had The tear running down his cheek. Did you see that? No, thank God. Yeah, and he was going on about well, now it's personal because now oh, he's oh, uh, oh, now yeah. he's gone over the line. That he shot oh, a kid. He shot a 13-year-old oh, yeah. kid. And I asked you before the show, and maybe somebody out there can answer. Not that we're taking any of your dumbest phone calls, but. I don't understand. Is a 13-year-old kid's life more valuable than if he was like 18 or 25 or 30 or that 72-year-old woman that was just going shopping and minding her own business? I don't get that.
1: Of course. Don't you know that the younger you are, the more valuable your life is because you're going to live more years? Well, that's what the priest years? would tell you, but I'm not so sure that that's
0: necessarily my opinion. You know what I'm saying? I know. I don't. I don't get that.
1: You've crossed the
0: line now. In other words, the other shootings were, you know, not too good. It was, it was not nice. Medium bad. But this crosses that. Now you've really gone a little bit too far. Okay, Mister. Now you've really got us pissed off and fired up. But we still have no idea what's all about. They got they, no clue. Students escorted to class under heavy guard is the dealer. They got the kids going to school, and they're all crapping their pants in the D.C. area. They made a good point on uh, what's that show? Uh, awful show, with the Chris Matthews. A uh, softball's last night. Yes. They made a good point, and that is that. Supposedly, you know, we're going into Iraq and the president makes a speech last night and we're going to go in there and make the world safe from the, all the weapons of mass destruction. And in the meantime, while people are supposed to be feeling a little better about that alleged, they're in a Washington DC area. People are all crapping in their pants and they're walking around on eggshells. Monday shooting of that 13 year old boy outside of middle school in Prince George's County is linked to Washington area sniper attacks last week that left six people dead and another wounded authority said the projectile. Why didn't he just say the bullet? Oh, because projectile takes up more space, you don't have to oh. write as many words. The projectile is identical to those that have been recovered from other scenes, said Joe Reel, a special agent for the Federal Bureau of the ATF. Folks, remember the ATF in Waco? I bet you Janet oh, remembers yeah. that. Prince George's Police Chief Gerald Wilson refused to discuss the sniper's possible motive. Isn't that him that, that we just had on there? Isn't that him, Gerald? No, that's the moose man. I get them confused. What I want is him, Wilson said. Now, how does we know it's a him? Maybe it could be a her with the, you know, she's a good shot. Or them. Or them. ATF Special Agent Mike Bouchard said it's more troubling that the sniper was now attacking innocent children. The stakes are raised. All of us are taking it more personal and makes us more determined. The gloves are off, he said. So in other words, if he would have just stuck with people over the age of 18 of legal age, we would, you know, the gloves would have still been on. Even if he would have shot up like about a hundred people in uh, three or four days. But now that he got the first kid, uh, the gloves are off. I, it's just, I don't know. So gratuitously, uh, crap. Authorities said the reward for information leading to the arrest, conviction of the killer or killers, has risen to 160 grand. 100,000 from the state, 50,000 from Montgomery County, another 10,000 from the Victims' Rights Foundation. The boy gunned down Monday was taken to a nearby hospital by his aunt and nurse who had just dropped him off at school. From there, he was airlifted to Children's National Medical Center in Washington, where he underwent surgery for a single gunshot that entered his abdomen. He was described in critical but stable condition on a ventilator. Doctors removed his spleen and part of his stomach and pancreas. We're happy with how he's doing at this point, but we can't anticipate how that might evolve over the next several hours, said the boy surgeon Dr. Martin Eichelberger. So there you go. And there's a uh, good old chief moose on there again.
1: For partners, uh, the...
0: saying absolutely nothing like that. Nothing. Because they know nothing. But they sure as hell can't say that because that's just that uh, we just don't do that. That would be like saying, do we know anything about Osama or or Mohammed or well, any of these other things where these people are? No, but we know where Saddam is and we're going to get him baby, because we know where he is. We got some idea where he is. And of course, you remember back at the end of the Gulf War, there was all that talk then about getting rid of him and assassinating him and all this other stuff. And uh, because, first of all, there's like about 40 different Saddam Os- uh, Husseins. He's got all these doubles. Oh, He does. You didn't know that. No. Oh, he's got he's got I don't know, 40? not forty, but he's got several uh, stand-ins <laughs> who look like him. So when things get really tough, oh crap, that wasn't him. But it's a good start, you know. Well,
1: no, how do we even know the real uh, Sonny? We, we don't. It's like Fu
0: Manchu. Exactly. And food to you. Nine twenty-seven at five sixty WQM. Does this sound like you overworked, <laughs> underpaid, <laughs> stuck at a crappy dead end job?
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh.
0: Then do yourself a favor, pick up the phone and call the nice people at Fast Train. They'll be happy to answer your questions and get you out of that rut. Call toll-free 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. The demand for certified computer professionals has never been better uh, than it is right now and bigger. And Fast Train can help you achieve a brand new career in as little as four months, four short months. The world might, might still be alive by then. Fast Train is South Florida's largest certified Microsoft training center with locations in Pembroke, Pines, Fort Lauderdale, Kendall, and Miami. Fast Train offers convenient day, evening, and weekend classes and they got a full time job placement department with over thirty years' experience. So if you're in that category we were talking about earlier, if you're overworked, underpaid, unappreciated, stuck in a really crappy dead end job, don't wait another second. Pick up the phone and call Fast Train. There's no obligation. Call one eight six six Fast Train because just stop and think about it. In four short months you could be on your way to becoming a high paid computer professional in a real career with great earning potential. So if you want a real career and a real paycheck, take my advice. Pick up that thing and call Fast Train at 866-FAST-TRAIN. That's 866-FAST-TRAIN. Or check them out on the web at FastTrain.com. <laughs> We're
2: Sports Radio 560. two a m. UAM. At the honey, Junior. Oh, fat-ass Rosie, please go away. Find a new way to attack a buffet Go home and eat your ho-hos Till you explode Just like your fat fat churning ladies Have to buy two seats on a plane Spinning your fingers that have yellow stain From Cheetos
6: Can't see your toes Master Piggy Puno
4: Proud to be fat, disgusting, and pasty, oi!
6: You make the shirted women smile, they like a gal who's fat and sassy. Big, smelly, fat, so repulsive and vile Your body cheese smells
2: like a crapper After it was occupied by Ed Asner, Need a shoehorn to get into your car Plus you're goddamn wide Oink and squeal, oink and squeal, oink and squeal Fat lady, living with your numberless feet. Slobberin' and
6: stortin' the tree between her knees. Mashed potato yeast. Smells fishy to me. Nappin' up a tuna that's
2: moist and tasty. Hey.
0: Mashed potato yeast, man. It just conjures <laughs> up such beautiful images, you know. What, what are you going to have for breakfast? I'll have uh, some eggs and uh, mashed potato yeast on the side. at 5.60 WQAM. That that could be the best of all time, you know. what? Not too many people would agree with me on that, but I think that one is a sleeper. It does it for me. This is from the Financial Times. Blair warned war to al-Saddam illegal. I noticed that uh, Iran has no vote so far. I just noticed that. Senator Bobby Graham was on the other night, two nights ago said that Iran is far more dangerous than Iraq and that Hezbollah are much more dangerous than Al-Qaeda, that Hezbollah has got much more many more cells in this country than Al-Qaeda ever will. And of course uh, Iran are the sponsors of Hezbollah and the trainers etc. and so on. And they're much much more dangerous according to Bobby Graham. But then you know, what does he know? Tony Blair, the U.K. prime minister, has been warned by his attorney general that military action against Iraq to force a regime change would breach international law. Oy. The clear advice from Lord Goldsmith and Harriet Harriman Harmon, the uh, solicitor general, places the prime minister in a potentially impossible position, according to legal experts. The warning explains why the government's been careful to avoid any suggestion its military threats are designed to force Saddam Hussein out. Mr. Blair is sympathetic to President Bush's threats to act unilaterally against Iraq if the U.N. disarmament moves fail, but... President Bush's repeated emphasis on regime change reiterated last week when the White House appeared to endorse the assassination of Mr. Hussein would make any concrete U.K. military support for such U.S. action very difficult. Mr. Blair last month said Britain will always act in accordance with international law. The law officer's confidential advice to Mr. Blair sets out limited circumstances in which international law could allow military action in support of existing U.N. Security Council resolutions and gives legal backing for action to enforce the fresh resolution under negotiation at the U.N., but it rules out war to achieve regime change. Were the government to breach international law, could find itself before the International Court of Justice facing charges for breaching the U.N. Charter. The U.S. is and By the way, the Queen is here in Canada the last few days. Guess what she did in Vancouver? I don't know. Drop the puck to start a hockey game. No. Exactly. The U.S. is unlikely to be deterred from unilateral action by such constraints. However, such action would strain relations with the U.K., America's closest ally. Mr. Blair would find it difficult to support the U.S. without splitting his party. He said, call him when the party started. Many of his cabinet members are opposed in private to military action that doesn't have at least nominal U.N. backing. The law officer's advice has strengthened their resolve. Meanwhile, Jack Straw, U.K. foreign minister, on Sunday told the BBC he did not accept that Mr. Blair has received a rebuff from President Bush over the U.K.'s plans for a Middle East peace conference by the end of the year. Yeah, it looks like peace to me in the Middle East, don't it? Oh, yeah, it looks like you can almost smell it, can't you? Or is that just the uh, bodies? Pieces. Yeah, pieces in our hand. Remember Kissinger once said that peace is in his hand? Here's some good news, more good news. Well, I'm sure that the the Republicans out there wouldn't think it's good news. Well, guess what? Tough titty, okay? You stole one, we'll steal one back. Isn't that the way it goes? Turnabout is fair play or something like that? Who always says that? What's the show? Oh, uh, Hollywood Squares. Tit for tat. Peter Marshall used to say that. Turnabout is fair play. That's the only thing I didn't like when he did the show. Turnabout is fair play. That's a corny expression, Peter, okay? Cut the crap. Oh, he sure as hell was a lot better. What's that guy that was on the new Hollywood Squares? What that was his name?
1: Oh, Tom Bergeron?
0: Yeah, that's the one. Frog, froggy. (laughs) Bergeron, no wonder I didn't like him. Now that I know the name. The U.S. Supreme Court refused yesterday to intervene in New Jersey's ballot dispute permitting Democrats to replace Senator Robert Torricelli with Frank Lautenberg as the reascent nominee. Lautenberg's already way ahead in the polls. He will win. They might might as well call off the election. Barring any changes, that means Lautenberg will be on the November 5th ballot. He'll face Republican Doug Foster, who's got two chances, none and much less than none. That's what it says here, right on the CNN uh, website. None and much, much, much less than none and much, much, much less than none, it says. The New Jersey race is critical to both political parties because Democrats control the U.S. Senate by just one vote, and Republicans believe that with Torricelli on the ballot, they stood a good chance of winning that seat. Torricelli dropped out of the race a week ago because he was falling in the polls amid lingering questions over his ethics, which you couldn't complain about his ethics because he didn't have any. Republicans had asked the court to overrule the New Jersey Supreme Court, which last week approved a request by Democrats to remove Torricelli from the ballot and replace him with Lautenberg, who retired from the Senate two years ago. Meanwhile, attorneys for Forrester were going to federal court in Trenton, New Jersey, to argue that the Voting Rights Act was violated by the of Democratic candidates. The hearing involves a lawsuit filed by two voters, a U.S. Army doctor, Kevin Riley in Hawaii, and a man living in Paris, who say they already cast their ballots in the race. They're being represented by Forrester's legal team. Well, guess what? Give him a new ballot, okay, and let them vote again. Okay, assholes. Just the way it goes, you know, I mean, uh, it's the way it is. Turn around, like I said, is fair play. Isn't it the way they say it? Something like that. Here's a great article, Common Dreams News Center. CommonDreams.org, by the way, is the website. Really, really good stuff on here. McDermott accuses Bush of plotting to be emperor. U.S. Representative Jim McDermott broadened his attack on George W. Bush's war plans yesterday, saying the president is threatening military action in Iraq as part of a plot to crown himself Emperor of America. I don't think he's too far off, haven't I said that? Nope. That if it, was up, if it was up to this band of Murray Nazis, we'd never have another presidential election. I think that's uh, pretty close to true. Criticized for saying on a trip to Iraq early last week that Bush would mislead the American public, McDermott, a Senate Democrat, was back in his, Seattle Democrat, rather, was back in his district yesterday telling cheering supporters that Bush is planning a war to distract voters' attention from domestic problems, and I think he is-
5: Absolutely
0: correct, sir. He said Bush is trying to submarine efforts to restart weapons inspections in Iraq to give him a pretext for starting a war, a war McDermott said is being planned in part to bolster U.S. oil interests. Oh, I can't stand anybody this honest, you know what? Right. And what we're dealing with right now in this country is whether we're having a kind of bloodless, silent coup or not, McDermott said, at a town hall at the Jefferson Park Community Center on Beacon Hill. The event was sponsored by local Democrats and other groups in his congressional district. At the heart of the debate, McDermott said, is whether Congress or the president has the power to declare war, the president's trying to bring himself all the power to become an emperor to create Empire America, he said. And he warned his supporters, if you go along like sheep, that's what will happen. State Republican Party Chairman... Chris Vance said McDermott's comments about the coup were the most irresponsible thing I've ever heard an American politician say. Sometimes politicians, like everyone else, will blurt things out they don't mean. Kind of like Jeb Bush, maybe, Vance said, but it sounds like he's thought about this carefully and really believes that. The resolution Congress will vote on next week was negotiated between the White House and congressional leaders of both parties. The president's not trying to bypass Congress, Vance said. He's taking his case to Congress. If President Bush is engaged in a coup, then his co-conspirators are Richard Gibhart and Joe Lieberman, he said, referring to Democratic leaders, and both of them are very dangerous, especially that Jew Lieberman. About 200 people showed up for McDermott's meeting in Beacon Hill Community Center. Nearly all were supporters. Outside, four or five protesters carried signs objecting to Saddam Hussein's, or rather to McDermott's recent trip to Iraq and his comments about Bush and Saddam Hussein. Saddam good, Bush bad. This is Baghdad Jim's mind on drugs, said a sign carried by Brandon Swally of Lakewood. I think he should be thrown out, she said. When McDermott arrived, he was escorted into the hall by Seattle police and followed by a few protesters, one of whom shouted after him, Our president is not a liar. If you want to say it, say it here, but don't go to foreign land to say it. Inside the crowd was heavily in favor of McDermott's view. When opponents took a microphone to talk, they were shouted down and told to get their question in. Supporters that were able to talk uninterrupted and gave anti-war speeches. Kind of like the the beast, they were just shut up. Last week, McDermott said he may have overstated his case against Bush while in Iraq, but yesterday it was clear he believes there's a pattern of deception within the Bush administration to justify a war. He said that Bush is using the memory of 9-11 terrorist attacks to fuel a war with Iraq. One of the dilemmas we've had since 9-11 is that this country has been continuously terrorized by the government, McDermott said. Every week they announce a new threat. Today is code orange. Today is code red. Grant, granted, it was an awful day. It was a heinous act. Nobody has anything but horror over what happened that day. But the message to draw from that day is not that we should suddenly go to war with the whole world, which basically is what the president is saying. McDermott is convinced that Bush has bent on war with Iraq to distract voters' attention from a collapsing stock market and other problems at home. It's the oldest game in the book, he said. They found this war very convenient to obscure people's views about what's happening domest- domestically. And he is
5: absolutely
0: correct, sir. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. 941 at 560 WQM. Oh, well, now that isn't Katherine Harris, is it?
1: Wait, what?
0: Oh, it's that bitch, Katherine Harris on CNN. Oh, I see Murray. <clears throat> oh, my God. Uh, well, she just came on here to try to cover it up. So, Good oh, Canadian, Ryan no, Murray, exactly. okay? <laughs> Almost as butch as Janet Reno. <laughs> hey, listen, I'll tell you something <clears throat> that'll butch you up a little bit, and that's Oleomet. I'm gagging on it, you know? Oleomet. Yeah. Hmm. Must have been seeing Catherine Harrison and Anne Murray back-to-back. Couldn't handle it. Oleumet will butch you up a little bit because it's good for you. Oleumet is a great new product, and more and more people are popping on a daily basis. They're putting it right into their puss. And inside that little capsule, you'll find lots of great stuff, including the best olive oil, the purest olive oil that money can buy, combined with vitamins, minerals, and herbals, and they have a separate concoction for different parts of your health. There's one specifically geared to help your heart, one to control your blood pressure, one for your cholesterol, one for your prostate, for your father, for your circulatory system, for your digestive endocrine system, your skin and bones, even your mind, all using the benefits of pharmaceutical-grade olive oil combined with all those other good things. And Oleomed helps men, and they've got products specifically for women as well. Pick them up today at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedano's, Navarro Pharmacy. If you want to get more information about these fantastic new products, what they do for you, and where you stick it, just call tool-free 1-866-OLEOMED. That's one 866 med which you can also order online if you prefer at OleomedAmerica.com.
5: I am this is
2: Sports Radio 560. QAM. Got about it. Okay. Don't like all the harpers.
6: do don't. Every time I see dum, 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 That
5: retarded dim witch
6: dum, 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 On
9: my TV yeah. He's
3: president of <laughs> Republican muscled in An inarticulate idiot I don't know why They would want this guy But now he's
6: President dumb s**t, President dumb
3: s**t, Oh, what i did do to vote votes once more and get who we all voted for. Why did you want this?
6: Dumb, dumb, dumb lips, drumming, stupid feet. He's even dumber than
2: me. He's President Dumpsh**t. <laughs> you don't care what
4: it took. You got him in by hook or crook. The Christian right
3: knows what's best for you and I, but have no fear. We've got a great leader here
4: with President sh. He sure inspires me, man. I'll tell you. inspires
0: me to make a quick gift to the bowl. 946 at 560 WQM. 98 votes on the poll. Rhymes with bull. And it's interesting, that thing about the Christian right and George W. In that uh, song we just played, President Dumschmidt. Because George W., who represents the biggest threat to the world today, George W. has got 29 and Bortigin Christian's 28. So there they are in lockstep, in goose step, side by, side by each. It was a tough choice for me. Moe David's in third place with 14, which we'll get back to him in a second on this great facts you just sent me. Al-Qaeda 11, now that we spelled it right. Iraq 6, Saudi Arabia 5. There are the chigger in a woodpile, baby. The Saudis, the freaking Saudis and the Carlisle Group and the Bushmeisters. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Israel 3 and Iran now is 2. Here's a great facts from George. That's George with a G, not to be confused with George with a J. Says, good morning, Neil. Hope all is well up there in paradise. Yes, I'm the mayor of Paradise. As a matter of fact, did you know that? No, I didn't. Star of State, Queen and Paradise. That's one of my favorite lines in all those bits. But anyway,
5: <laughs> yesterday <laughs>
0: on the Hair Hat Howard Show, Hairpiece himself was poking fun at the head coach of the University of Maryland basketball coach's physical appearance. He's a fat slob. A couple of listeners who obviously wouldn't know tongue in cheek from something you get in a Pakistani delicacy called in uh, Delhi, that should be I guess, called in to protest Howard's comments. And Hair Hairhead himself. <laughs> Harehart himself said, "Come on, guys, lighten up. Let me explain this to you. This is just a radio show. It's tongue in cheek. We're just having a little fun. It's nothing personal. Now, isn't that ironic? Come on, hoo-hoo. If that's the way you feel, then why don't you loosen up the bolts on your hair helmet while others dare poke fun at you? Hey, I heard that Hardly Hart is out there out today because he's getting his weave changed to Ricky Williams' dreadlocks. Beast told me off the air. <laughs> no, Beast didn't tell you off the air. Don't be getting his ass in deep trouble again, okay? That's a big ass and it's getting pretty deep. He didn't. But excellent facts, George. Huh?" I guess there are no Pakistani delis. I guess delicacy was the right word. I don't know what he's saying, but it's uh, very amusing to me. And it's an excellent point. Because he's been doing that for months now. He's been doing a lot of that. He'll uh, rip somebody an ass and call him uh, some horrendous, disparaging, disgusting uh, pig. Which is fine, okay? It's a radio show. But if somebody, uh, you know, in other words, you can make all the fun you want of everybody else, but don't be poking no fun at me because I'm the uh, the chief uh, 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 horse and bottle uh, shooter in paradise, whatever the hell he is. What is he? Yeah, we know what he is. So anyway, he's got uh, 16 votes. He's doing relatively well. He's in third place. Third most dangerous force in the world today. And wait till those numbers come out in a couple of weeks. And I think a lot of people might agree. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe he'll get a number. I have no idea. Well, he'll get some number. You know? Everybody get gets a number. Sometimes it has a... Oh! ...in front of it, but uh, he'll have a number. And then, of course, if he does have a bad number, Jim Sarnier writes some caustic things again, but always very cleverly disguised, very thinly veiled uh shots, you know, because we don't have anybody with any balls that writes any stuff. And Tom Jick, I noticed now since I ripped him an ass for being a lazy slob. He uh he writes fourteen columns a day, but it's always on the on the new T V shows, you know? He hasn't written one thing about radio in about twenty years now and that's uh, all he writes about. Every stinking day. Although he did write a good piece about that PBS special, that frontline thing, which I'm sure that nobody out there watched. Okay, I do my best. I can you can lead a horse to your T V set to the remote control, but you can't make him click it, right? Right. Christian University in North Carolina suffers turmoil over grade tampering. This must be a misprint. It's in the Boston Globe, though. Well, you know how anti-religion they've become. Boiling Spring, North Carolina. A university cheating scandal that triggered noisy protests and angry resignations has erupted on a campus few might expect. A small Baptist school that prides itself on its Christian roots. And one thing we know about real good Christians is they don't lie to us. Gardner Webb University has been embroiled in controversy ever since the school's president admitted he wrote a memo two years ago ordering a star basketball player's GPA to be calculated without an F he received for cheating and, of all things, a religion class. Without the change, Carlos Webb would have been ineligible in 2000-2001. The seasoned Gardner Webb won the National Christian College Athletic Association Championship. And up until this moment, until I read this story earlier, up until this day, I never knew there was such a thing as the National Christian College Athletic Association Championships. Did you? (laughs) Did I? (laughs) This is the NCCAA, not just your regular ordinary pedestrian NCAA, which is for like just your pedestrian goyim. This is for uh, professional goyim. The school's trustees affirmed Christopher White's presidency after a 10-hour meeting September 27th, though they demoted a pair of administrators who had criticized White's actions. Three faculty members resigned as a result. Since last Wednesday, students have protested White's leadership and trustees' actions outside an entrance to the campus in the town of 3900, about 50 miles west of Charlotte. You want to know where it is, Boiling Springs? There it is. 50 miles west of Charlotte, baby. I know as Christians we're supposed to forgive, said Patrick Woody. I sure hope we don't have one president of the student government, with forgiveness and mercy comes responsibility, and with responsibility is supposed to come justice, and I don't think any justice has come from this. And, of course, you know where we go for justice, don't you? I do. There's only one place you go for justice to see
5: Don Don
0: That's right. Exactly. I'll get that off of there and get that pot back on. Thank you. Well, you know, sometimes I forget about that. The controversy began September 10th. The day White admitted at a faculty meeting that he ordered that an F grade not be figured into the grade point average of Webb. Opponents say White's actions and the trustee's failure to punish him violates the spirit of Gardner-Webb's honor code. The president's backers, including the chairman of the board of trustees, say they're convinced White did not violate the letter of any school rules and that he acted in the spirit of fairness toward Webb, who had been incorrectly advised to get the F removed from his GPA by retaking the class. Well, guess what, baby? You lose. Well, we change your mind. You win. White, 58, is an ordained Baptist minister and has been president of Gardner-Webb for more than 16 years. Gardner-Webb's graduate divinity school is named for him. About a dozen students picketed last week at the main entrance to the campus in downtown Boiling Springs in the far western portion of the state near South Carolina line. One sign paraphrased Sophocles, rather fail with honor than succeed with fraud. Other signs urged drivers to honk if they supported the protesters. If he's humble at all, he should resign, Since student Ashley Warwick. Well, I wonder if he's kin to Warwick Dunn or, or DN Warwick. I was just going to say that. Or, well, I'll see, I'm psychic. More than that bitch. If she was so psychic, she wouldn't have had that weed with her at the airport. I'm telling you right now, she knows she's going to get caught. The university is basically split now. It's founded on Christian ethics, but he's lied, he's cheated. I don't think we're going to heal with him in here. We're not going to heal, baby. Go see Ernest Ainsley if you want to heal. He'll put his hand on your forehead. Or go see Benny Hinhana. Go see that faker. He'll just tap you on the head and you'll fall over like you got hit by a ton of bricks. For the right price. Oh, here, the Supreme Court, of course, was meeting yesterday. They started their new uh, meet and all kinds of stuff. We got all kinds of Supreme Court stories, including that one they said, hey, that Torricelli, uh, loud in thing in New Jersey, we're not going to hear it because it would look too bad, you know. The word is Antonin Scalia it was frothing at the mouth. They had to put him in restraints like Hannibal Lecter, but nevertheless, <laughs> they, they, they held him back and they said, no, nah, we're not getting involved in that one, okay? One thing to get fixed, the presidential thing, but give you the Senate, too. We're not too sure about that. Stars tattoo appeal rejected by the Supreme Court. You remember good old Kenny Starr? Yeah. The famous penis gate, that, porno, that uh, famous pornographer. The U.S. Supreme Court rejected yesterday an appeal arguing that free speech rights covering tattooing in the case of a tattoo artist who was fined for demonstrating his craft on TV in a state where tattooing is effectively illegal. They rejected the appeal. Uh, can you uh, follow that? No. Well, we'll move on. Without any comment, the justice has refused to hear an appeal by Ronald White, who is believed to be the only person ever arrested in more than the 35 years that South Carolina has effectively banned tattooing. Right next door there, right across the border, they got lying Christians, basketball players cheating on their religion class, and right across the border, back in South Carolina, we got people trying to get tattooed. White's lawyer, former independent counsel Kenny Starr, who knows a lot about getting screwed and tattooed, told the justices that tattooing represented an 8,000-year-old art form entitled to protection under the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. So, in other words, according to Kenny Starr, blowjobs bad, tattoos good. All right. I was kind of thinking it was the other way around. I'm glad I got straightened out. Well, they both involve a prick. Starr, who has special prosecutor, I'll just pretend I didn't hear that. Starr, who has special prosecutor, investigated then-President Bill Clinton and the Monica Lewinsky sex scandal in Blowjobgate, challenged a South Carolina Supreme Court ruling that upheld the state's ban on tattoo artistry. In a free society, this is intolerable, he said. In a society that protects liquor advertising and pornography, it is inexplicable. Art deserves protection protect art, said Starr, who has returned to his private law practice. Simply put, the South Carolina Supreme Court's decision is at war with artistic freedom, he wrote, arguing that tattooing involved artistic expression, even though it usually looks like crap. White, while in his house in 1999, drew a spiritual tattoo, a creative adaptation of ancient tribal tattoo that signifies the onset of adulthood on the arm of another man. Oh. A local South Carolina TV station showed White doing the tattoo as part of a story on tattooing. After the show aired, he was arrested for violating the 1966 state law, which makes it a crime to tattoo another person. At trial, White admitted he violated the law but argued it was unconstitutional. He was found guilty, sentenced to five years probation, and fined 500 bucks. Oklahoma is the only other state to ban tattooing. Oklahoma. Huh. Starr said tattooing, which became popular in the U.S. more than a quarter century ago, has undergone a renaissance in the past three decades. He said it's recovered from a scare in the early 1960s when a hepatitis outbreak in New York was thought to have been caused by a dirty tattoo parlor on Coney Island. Well, I'd rather have a dirty tattoo parlor than dirty hot dogs on Coney Island. Ever have any Coney Islands in Detroit? No. No. South Carolina, good. South Carolina Attorney General Charles Condon defended law saying it was nearly drawn to serve the state's interest in protecting the health and safety of its citizens. It only prohibits lay people from engaging in one very specific method of applying body art, injection of ink or dye of the skin, he said. Condon said South Carolina residents were free to get tattoos outside the state. Just don't be doing it here within the confines of our borders, baby. You can wave that Confederate flag, but number one. And number two, don't be a fag. And number three, don't get no tattoos. And especially from no fag. Oh, I think if you get a tattoo from a fag, that's it. You're done. You've had it. 957 at 560 WQAM. If your carpets look like they've been tattooed and screwed, if they look really bad, the answer is dry concepts. They'll come in your home and perform. Probably one of the very few real miracles that's ever happened in the history of mankind. I know I've been using them for over 20 years in my, in my house and my mouse, and believe me, especially having had two dogs most of that period of time, my carpets take a real beating. But dry concepts come in, they dry clean the carpets, they suck out the deep down dirt, and they leave them looking brand new, smelling lemony fresh. They're dry in a couple of hours, and you just keep sh- No matter how many years you uh, uh, use them, you just keep shaking your head every time they leave and wondering how can they possibly make them look so good. But they do it, and they give you a written guaranteed price before they start doing the job, so no tack-ons, no scams at the end of the job like some of those other guys. And they also do an unbeatable job of doing all kinds of other spiffy stuff for you. A furniture cleaning and drapery cleaning, spot dyeing, fiber protection, carpet repairs, implant oriental rug service second to nobody, deodorization, and if a flood strikes your home, complete water damage restoration, too. So get the uh, job done the right way, and the uh, fair price you're always going to depend on with dry concepts. They'll never let you down. And Broward, call 954-370-7778. 954-370-7778. In Dade or Palm Beach, 1-800-248-5071 one 800 clean today Entertain tonight with
2: dry concepts. Live, live and local, we are Sports Radio 560 QAM. Q- Q- Q-
7: Anybody have a heart or a liver?
10: I'll uh, well, give it to you. Do you know it's time to get our 15s
3: flying? We're about to hit them with everything all at once. <laughs> Fly in one of those... Honking the 52s And Baghdad's going down, no doubt about it I know that war gives you the creeps But it's almost a necessity It all keeps setting up To blowing Iraqis up Saddam we must destroy Let's not postpone They denied our chance to have inspectors' glance and look around and see what's going on. They said, hey, no more, no more you can explore. And that's reason enough for us to act upon. I know that war gives you the creeps. But it's almost unnecessary. It all keeps adding up to blowing Iraqis up. Saddam we must destroy. Let's not postpone.
0: 1002 at 560 WQM. Happy Tuesday, too. we got the Mad Dog coming at 1 o'clock doing a show from Shula's today. Hank will be on at 3. And let's see. you got a full four-hour show today? Look at that. Heavy duty work, baby. <laughs> four full hours for the Humper, three to seven with Patrick Certain at five. Uh, Shiva's Regal talking hardball with the Crow, the Shvo at the seven o'clock. Then uh, followed, of course, by game one of the series, Anaheim, Minnesota, the ALCS. Aren't you going to be glued to your radio for that? For what? The baseball game, the uh, underdogs, baby, the Angels and the Twins. This is a cute line. <laughs> this fax you just sent me is kind of <laughs> yeah, cute. Todd in Sarasota has this a little riddle for you. Why is aspirin white? Because it works.
5: Anyway, I love, I love and if the,
0: after the baseball game, you guys, that sounds like a racist remark to me. Don't be making no racial comments on here, Tom, but a good point. Eddie K., uh, after the baseball game, and Joe and Mark, the, what are they now? The overnight guys. We don't want to come the dirty boys anymore because it's bad for their image. And it'll get Moses and uh, Vlad into a lot of trouble. Joe and Mark overnight through the six, and then of course they'll have a lot of material in that last hour that uh, Mo can use in tomorrow morning show. See, we promoted your show tomorrow morning, Mo. How do you like that, huh? The old Mo show. This morning he was Mo was a no show on the Mo show. Westerners report green purple flaming meteor. Residents in Utah, Colorado, and Southern Wyoming saw a fireball, which some said had a long tail of green, orange, and purple flames that raced across the night sky. They said it was flaming. People said it had a 500-foot tail, and it was huge like a meteor in green and orange, La Plata County, Colorado Sheriff's Dispatcher Christy Lee said. Have you ever noticed that an awful lot of these sightings are either in Mexico or they're out
1: there like in the desert southwest areas, you know? Uh, Yeah, I have noticed that, as a matter of fact. New Mexico? The Hillamacordo? Huh? The wasteland. And,
0: of course, Utah. Talk about a waste. And uh. Wyoming, <laughs> I mean Wyoming, man. Even the, uh, what do they call those the cactus, those uh, balls of crap? What do tumbleweeds. they call them? Tumbleweed, yeah. Even the tumbleweed moved out of Wyoming. The fireball was seen Sunday night at 730. It was probably a meteor burning up in the atmosphere, said Peter Wolinski, meteorologist for the National Weather Service Colorado Basin River Forecast Center. He ain't no Brian Norcross, thank God. No man-made objects fell from space Sunday night, said Major Red Thomas, the spokesman for the North American Aerospace Defense Command in Colorado Springs, Colorado, which tracks satellites and space debris. How do you like that? We track satellites and space debris. Well, we ought We don't have a mission to track meteorites, but that's got to be what it is, Thomas said, because it was... flaming. The Weber Area Consolidated Dispatch Center in northern Utah received about 50 calls, with some callers saying it looked like a plane that crashed. About ten officers from three counties responded to the cause, and one point searched for wreckage, said Weber County Sheriff's Sergeant Jeff Lasseter, in no relation to Blambo. The fireball was spotted in Pueblo, Colorado, about 100 miles south of Denver, and in Rollins, Wyoming, about 100 miles northwest of Denver. And I'll tell you one thing, if you see anything in Rollins, Wyoming, that's blaming, you call the authorities right away. <laughs> what was I reading about uh, Dick Cheney's dyke daughter over the weekend? I missed that story. I'll find it. Yeah, she was in the news. Uh, in yours, know, we don't hear too much from her anymore. You want to know why? Cause she's- flaming. I figure as long as we got it in there, we might as well use it, you know? We don't why use not? that often enough. Speaking of the Supreme Court, the Supremes who had their, uh, held the beginning of their meet yesterday, the dangerous Supremes, the Supreme Court dealt losses yesterday to convicted Oklahoma City bombing conspirator Terry Nichols, no relation to Christy McNichol. Or what was your brother's name? Jimmy McNichol? <laughs> yes. Now, what are you laughing about? They were both big stars for about five minutes. (laughs) She was a big star for about a half an hour and him for about two minutes. The Supreme Court dealt losses yesterday. They convicted Oklahoma bombing conspirator Terry Nichols, no relation to Mickey McNichol, imprisoned Dr. Jack Kevorkian, former Olympic security guard Richard Jewell, and Frank Sinatra, Jr. What an interesting bunch there, Uh huh? huh? I know. Terry Nichols, Jack Kevorkian, who ought to put (laughs) Terry Nichols out of his suffering, former Olympic security guard poor fat Richard Jewell, and Frank Sinatra, Jr. God, give me a break, Jr., Their cases were among more than a 1,000 that justices refused to consider as they returned to work after a three-month break. The court only hears arguments in 80 or so cases each year, only about 1% of the cases that make it to the high court. And you want to know why they call the Supreme Court the high court? (laughs) That's probably the reason. It was the fifth time the Supreme Court turned back a challenge from Nichols, who was convicted five years ago of federal conspiracy and voluntary manslaughter in the deaths of eight federal agents. The 1995 bombing of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City killed 168. Nichols serving a life sentence was acquitted of the most serious charges. Timothy McVeigh, of course, won't see him no more. We gave him the old needle, Tim McVeigh.
7: We haven't played
0: played that in a long time either, you know what?
4: Oh, I love that. Tim McVeigh, he's on trial for that fateful
3: day.
0: Nichols' lawyers were arguing that his trial was tainted by government's failure to turn over thousands of documents. They said the government should not be rewarded for misconduct. Nichols still faces state murder charges and could be sentenced to death if he's convicted. Oh! And we'll be right there to watch. We'll be right there to stick the old needle in. Kravorkian has also unsuccessfully tried before to get the court involved in the issue of assisted suicide. I wonder if Reva can get some help from Dr. Jack on Guiding Light. He's serving a 10 to 25 year prison sentence for the injection death of a man with Lou Gehrig's disease. The 1998 death of Thomas Yalk was videotaped and shown on national TV. Kerwokian called it a mercy killing, but a jury in Michigan convicted him of second degree murder, which, of course, as we all know, is ludicrous. And in civilized country like the Netherlands, assisted suicide is uh, kosher, as long as somebody Jewish conducting the service. Does it have Unless to be loyal? The Sinatra case involves profits from the story of the kidnapping of Frank Sinatra's teenage son nearly 40 years ago, who's a real major loser, by the way. Frank Sinatra Jr. was snatched from a Lake Tahoe, Nevada hotel in 1963 and released unharmed after his family paid a $240,000 ransom. Three men were arrested and convicted. The younger Sinatra lost a court battle in California over profits from a planned movie about the crime and asked the high court to step in. The Supreme Court refused to review the constitutionality of a California law intended to prevent convicts from profiting from books, movies, or other representations of their crimes. The 1983 law was similar to victims' rights laws passed by 40 states and the federal government. The Supreme Court yesterday also declined to review the case of poor Richard Jewell, who argued that he was libeled by a newspaper, which reported that he was a suspect with the 1996 bombing at Centennial Olympic Park in Atlanta. Georgia court sided with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. How do you like that? And the Supreme Court said, ah, screw you, Richard even though they destroyed your life. Jewel found an knapsack that held a bomb that exploded July 27, 1996, killing one woman, injuring 111 people. He went from hero to suspect, but was later cleared by the Justice Department, which it seems to me that his lawsuit should have been upheld on those grounds because he was innocent. He was not guilty, okay? But don't confuse the Supreme Court or any of the other courts with the facts, especially in Georgia. The uh, court also um, refused to consider a Kentucky School District case over its firing of a fifth-grade teacher who invited actor Woody Harrelson to tell her students about the merits of industrial hemp. The court's refusal means there will be a trial for Donna Cockwell to prove she was wrongly fired. The merits of industrial hemp. Yeah, man. Rope. Turn back Ralph Nader's claim Whoa. that Ohio violated his constitutional rights by not listing him as the Green Party's presidential candidate in 2000. Ohio requires candidates in smaller parties to collect signatures of thousands of residents. The state claimed that Nader and running mate Winona LaDuke collected only enough signatures to put him on the ballot as independents. Nader, running as the candidate for pro-environment anti-corporate Green Party, got 3% of the national vote in 2000 and cost Al Gore the presidency and put us in this pickle that we're in today. Nice going, Ralph. You and uh, your buddy there, you and your buddy Phil, hit the road together, baby. You're both jerks. Hit the road, jerks.
7: We're attached to the Kuwaiti military. This island off the coast
0: of... Oh, they're talking about that uh, little mishap they had, the Navy Marines taking part in training exercise in Kuwait. Little they there, a little bit of a mishap. And of course, you know the way we look at it, since human life is as cheap as step- stepping on cockroaches and swatting skeeters, it's, uh, you know, just some more dead people. Isn't that basically what it boils down to? Right, yeah. It's dropping the bucket. 186 votes, and it's changing. I bet you there's more now. Like I said, 193 votes on the survey. Who do you think represents the greatest threat in the world today? Born-again Christians, 63. George W. Bush, 54. Moe David, 27. Al-Qaeda, 19. Iraq, 14. Saudi Arabia, 9. Iran, 4. And Israel's only got 3. Boy! Tell that to the uh, Palestinians. Who would you vote for?
2: Uh,
0: I didn't. Let's see. Who would I vote for? Yeah. Uh, George W. Bush. I voted for born-again Christians. I knew that because I saw when we each had one vote apiece. So that was good, because basically, what's the difference? See, how come we're not hearing more about this? Police say Pompano Boy 12 was deliberately gunned down. Are you hearing anything about that? Yeah, they're rumbling about it. Police suspect the 12-year-old Pompano Beach boy was deliberately gunned down and murdered after the intended victim fled to safety. This is in the Sun Sentinel. But the BSO said yesterday that homicide detectives still don't know what caused the gunman to go to the house in the 800 block of Northwest 5th Avenue in Pompano Beach. Juwan V. Sean Matthews of Tamarack was standing outside his grandma's home and he was shot as he played in the driveway on Sunday. Matthews was airlifted to Broward General Medical Center where he was pronounced dead 6.45 p.m. The sheriff's office said yesterday detectives believe the gunman decided to shoot Juwan after his intended victim saw what was happening and ran to safety. So in other words, he was going to shoot somebody else and that uh, kid ran away. So uh, you're you're available. I'll shoot you. You'll do. BSO deputies were dispatched to the home after receiving numerous 911 calls about gunshots in the area. The gunman is believed to have a, uh, been in a dark blue newer model Mitsubishi Mirage or Kia Sepia with no hubcaps, and the second vehicle possibly involved as an older model, 1990s burgundy four-door Regal Century. Detectives also want to locate a large white four-door model, older, uh, older model Chevy Caprice-type vehicle with black tag on the front and dark-tinted windows. The vehicle, which was seen parked outside the home earlier in the day of the shooting, also has a spotlight similar to those found on police cars on the driver's side. So there you go. And, of course, uh, you know, we don't want to overreact to any of these stories, do we? No. But the fact is, we just don't know. We don't know nothing. And he'll be on there and tell you that the investigation continues. We don't know nothing, but the investigation continues. And don't give us no long words, because we sure don't know how to pronounce them. 12 minutes after the hour at 560 WQM, you want to go to a great shoe store. Speaking of Pompano Beach, this is the place, Brandy's, where you'll find the largest selection of men's and women's shoes, the best service in town, and the best prices in the universe, period. It's as simple as that. And we're not talking about some off-brands at Brandy's. We're talking about top-quality shoe names, the ones you know and love. Rockport's, SAS, Sperry, Timberland Naturalizer, and lots more. And, of course, no matter how big or teeny tiny your feet may be, you can just about bet George's life on it that they've got the shoes you're looking for in your size in stock and ready to stick on right now. And uh, Brandy's is open daily, 9 to 9, Sundays, 10 to 5. You'll find them at 1290 North Federal Highway in Pompano Beach. They are unbeatable. And don't forget, all this week, I'm assuming it's still going on this week because I've got no new information from uh, our good bald-headed friend, I don't think. Did we? Did we get a new tag? Nope. All this wicked brandy Brandy's, it's a huge SAS sale, I think. Big savings on SAS shoes. The more pair you buy, the more you save. And if that's wrong, if it was only last week, blame it on Troy when you go into Brandy's Shoes in Pompano Beach.
2: My, my and local. This is Sports Radio 560.
8: i I'm dying over here. In this place, I see a lot of gas. Oh.
3: I also see a lot of folks taking medicines that don't fight gas.
4: Wow, this NyQuil knocks me out.
3: Oh, I still
8: got gas. Gas GasX has the most powerful medicine to relieve gas fast. Oh, not as fast as I thought. Oh, no, not here. GasX hits the bloke. 1017
0: at 560 WQM. This fax you just sent me from Eddie is enough to make my stomach turn. You think it's serious? Oh, yeah. I'm a member of the military and a veteran of the Gulf War, and I assure you I support, uh, that I support the pr- I assure you that I support of the president. Hey, Eddie, maybe we can get a package deal, send you and Captain Moose to a linguistic school, kind of linguistic school together. He says, many of my fellow soldiers, including myself, are waiting for the word to go. This issue of Iraq should have been settled 11 years ago. Also, those idiots like Jim McDermott and Senator Burge should be put out the pasture and dashel shot. Love your show, Neil. Eddie Semper Fidelis. So you're not supposed to say Semper Fidelis. You're supposed to say, if it was a real Marine, you say Semper Fi. You don't say the whole word, right? Right. right. A real upstanding Marine says Semper Fi. But at any rate, Eddie, that's a good thing that you support the president because he needs a lot of good goose-stepping lemmings just like you to carry out his good deeds. Speaking of good deeds, 14 Palestinians killed, 110 wounded in Israeli raid of Gaza Town, one of the most nauseating stories to come down the pike in a very long time. Yunis, Gaza Strip. Israeli troops raiding this town with tanks and helicopters killed 14 Palestinians early yesterday, including 10 who died when a missile slammed into a large crowd. Palestinian officials said all the dead were civilians, while the Israeli army said most were armed men killed in battle. About 110 Palestinians were wounded in the four-hour raid, including 25 who were in critical condition, doctors said. Most suffered shrapnel wounds in the head, chest, and abdomen. The dead ranged in age from 14 to 52 Israeli troops fired machine guns and assault rifles at a communist hospital where most of the wounded were taken killing one man injuring three people the military said the shots were fired in response to mortar fire and witnesses said they heard two explosions before the shooting began Palestinians denounced the Israeli strike the deadliest since July as a massacre and called for international protection the Islamic militant group Hamas threatened revenge Israeli officials said Palestinian militants were responsible for the casualties because they took cover among civilians The military said Khan Yunus is a Hamas stronghold and that during the raid, troops arrested a wanted man carrying a homemade explosive device. However, there is no indication of a particular target as in previous strikes against wanted militants that also claim civilian casualties. The Israeli military said the missile was aimed at a group of armed men who were attacking soldiers with guns and grenades. The missile was fired toward the end of the raid. Wissam Abdin, 29, said that as troops withdrew, residents emerged from their homes to inspect the damage and check on the fate of friends and relatives. Abdin said there were no gunmen in the crowd. However, another witness, Walid Sabah, 44, said gunmen were among those gathering in the street but didn't shoot at the time. Sabah said he was in the crowd with his 17-year-old son, Abdullah, who was killed in the missile strike. Abdeen said as the troops withdrew, he heard the sound of helicopters. Two minutes later, I heard the sound of something coming from the air and I saw the flames. Then a big explosion lifted me and blew me about 10 yards away, he said. Abdeen was hit by shrapnel in his arm. Another resident, Abidi Hashur, 24, said he was emerging from his apartment when he heard the explosion. People were bleeding, many of them lying on the ground. Women were screaming and blood covered the ground, he said. Brigadier General Israel Ziff, the Israeli army commander in the area, said troops met heavy resistance from Palestinian gunmen. He said that as troops withdrew, many armed men gathered in the streets. They fired a lot and threw grenades. There was a battle there, Ziff said. The helicopter aimed at this armed group and hit them. Ziff said the battle was filmed from a pilotless plane. The army hasn't yet decided on an Associated Press request to see that footage. Israel's Deputy Defense Minister, Weitzman Sheree, said he was sorry if civilians were hurt. But what can we do, Shari told Israeli Army Radio. It's war. Javier Solana, the European Union's foreign policy chief, who was visiting the region, said he was shocked by the number of casualties. I think it's even more dramatic because of the efforts that the Palestinian people were making in order to get out of the way of violence in recent weeks, he said. Later Monday, Israeli troops fired into Nasser Hospital in Kanyunas, where hundreds of people had gathered to learn about the fate of loved ones. Among the wounded were a 14-year-old boy hit in the chest and neck, And a paramedic struck in the chest. One bullet narrowly missed a reporter was hit in the shoe by a small bullet fragment. The dead, wrapped in Palestinian flags, were taken from the hospital on stretchers, carried by gunmen who fired in the air to shouts of revenge, revenge. Both Hamas and Palestinian leader Yasser Amafart's Fatah movement threatened revenge. We'll make the Zionist enemy swallow the bitter drink very soon, a masked Fatah activist, armed with a machine gun and grenade stuffed into a belt, told mourners. Pieces in our hand, baby. Speaking of crazy people, I don't want to say he's crazy, but he's a dangerous. You're gonna love this article, Doctor Phil's a shameless rip-off artist. <laughs> yes, from I the will. Globe. Yeah, Can't I got wait. the new tabloids. It's Tuesday tabloid day, baby. I think that's a good feature on the show. You know, Wednesday we do that noon to one hour, right? With all bits. I think tabloid Tuesday
1: would be good. Excellent.
0: Only problem being, now here I have no problem because the tabloids, the new ones come out over the weekend here, and the fact that they're they're all printed in Lantan. I'm assuming that if I go like to a real place like Borders, I can get the new tabloids. Because they seem <laughs> to be dressed, Huh? I, I don't know. I'm talking about when I come back down there. I hope that I can get my tabloids in time for Tabloid Tuesday. because I, I don't want to be reading old
1: crap. Good luck in the big uh, bookstores for up-to-date magazines. They leave ancient magazines on the shelves there.
0: Oh, well, maybe we'll find that ancient Chinese secret. Bob's News, baby, in Fort Lauderdale.
1: I'm not going to Bob's News.
0: I'm going right over to my Borders, and I guarantee I'll find, Or I'll just go over to Publix. They got them. And if I don't find them there I'll go to Walgreens and Marcy will have them them outside for me. And if I don't find them there, I'll just go right out behind Walgreens to the new pizza loft. And have lunch. Lunch and dinner. You been to the new pizza loft yet? Me? Well, why the hell not? It's oh, off the beaten path. The other well, one. That's closer. right for you, it's very far away. <laughs> Doctor Phil's a shameless rip off artist, says the globe. He left Kansas one step ahead of the law. What would Oprah think? question mark. Dr. Phil McGraw is a brazen scam artist who skipped town one step ahead of the state attorney general's probe into a shady business practice his sources charge. The towering TV advice guru left Topeka, Kansas, in the wake of a flood of complaints charging that he ripped off health spa customers and left banks high and dry in the early 70s. This was a consumer fraud investigation, says Emery Goad, who worked on the case's lead investigator with the attorney general's office in Topeka. It appeared that McGraw was pulling off a textbook example of a membership scam. But I wouldn't refer to the spa's customers as members," go tells the Globe in an exclusive interview. "I'd call them victims," he said. McGraw, 52, catapulted to fame on Oprah and now has his own smash syndicated show. Opened a Grecian Health Spa to peak in Topeka, 1971. He, it was just a couple of years later, after he left the University of Tulsa, following his freshman year. Let me say it again. It was just a couple of years after he left the University of Tulsa, following his freshman year. I don't think I read that right. Okay. Phil was a real hands-on owner, charges a former pal and that extended to his accounting practices. If a customer signed up in cash, Phil would sometimes deposit it straight into his pocket. The ex-pal adds that Phil was the president of the corporation and his friend Bob he- Heinsheimer, the vice president, but they also were salesmen. They could really be overbearing, especially Phil, says the friend. He'd take potential clients, mostly female, into his office and sometimes close the door. Sometimes the women came out crying. It also seemed weird that Phil kept a mattress in his office at one point. I don't think anybody dared venture a guess what that was all about. McGraw, McGraw who now preaches that people should take responsibility for their actions apparently hasn't followed his own advice. His intimidating tactics help rack up memberships along with a slew of complaints about the business claim sources. Tim Losey tells how his 18-year-old wife was pressured into signing a contract in November 72 while he was off in the Army. When I got back, I told him I was canceling the contract, Losey says, soon after we started getting harassing phone calls threatening all kinds of legal ashing against us in February of 73 Dwight Eels filed a complaint claiming that he was hoodwinked by the Grecian Health Spa after being told he could try it out for a few weeks for free he started receiving bills in the mail I called the owner he angrily claimed I'd signed a contract and he threatened me by saying he would have an attorney use all means possible to get the money Eels tells the Globe I swear to God I never signed a single piece of paper during any time I spent at the spa I called the Attorney General's office they said I was far from alone in complaining about the Grecian Health Spa but McGraw was doing far more than Using hard sales pitches on prospective customers, Shawnee County District Court papers obtained by Globerville and McGraw and the local Southwest State Bank had entered into an agreement that allowed in the bank to purchase installment notes and paper for McGraw's operation. The type of agreement allowed a spa owner like McGraw to sell the membership contracts to the bank for a percentage of their long-term worth in cash. Then if he shut down, the members would be liable for contract payments to a non-existent spa. Although the practice was strictly legal in Kansas at the time, it's since been outlawed. In a nutshell, anyone could open a spa, soak the town, and then move on, explains Goad. The members would have to keep paying even if the spa was shut down. And it appears that's exactly what McGraw did. Court documents reveal that he closed the Grecian Health Spa on September 73, barely two years after opening it, and he immediately left Topeka for Texas. Phil was uh, basically run out of Topeka. His brother, ex-brother-in-law, Alan Grove, confirms to the Globe, he pretty much left in the middle of the night one step ahead of the authorities. Lead investigator Goad adds that the attorney general's office was also looking into something called chain referral selling, where a spa tells prospective customers they get a discount on their membership if they convince somebody else to join. This was a specific fraud and prohibited business practice in Kansas, Goad said. After closing the spa, McGraw became the focus of at least three district court lawsuits by Topeka Banks, which claimed he owed them money. All three managed to have summons that served on him to no avail in Wichita Falls, Texas, where he'd moved in with his father, Joe. It was probably by design he went back to Texas code, said Texas was one of only two states in the Union that didn't recognize out of state judgments. That's why the Attorney General's office never brought legal action against McGraw. It would have been useless once he high tailed it to Texas. Eventually, one of the three lawsuits was dropped on a technicality, but the two other banks won judgments against McGraw for three grand and thirty two hundred bucks. An Oprah Show source doesn't believe the woman who helped propel McGraw to fame knows anything about his past. I bet it's something he kept from her in Insider Tells the Globe. And Lois Burt, a senior legal assistant with a Topeka law firm that represented one of the bank's ads, now that Phil is such a huge success, he ought to come back to Topeka and repay, repay, repay all the people he ripped off. Kind of like Larry King, you know I what I'm saying? just uh-huh. thinking about yeah, Larry. Yeah, kind of like Larry King. Is he coming back? No. Is he repaying anybody any money? No. All the people he ripped off in Miami? Uh, no. No. And with Dr. Phil. And, of course, this is only on the heels of those two juicy stories that weren't about lesbians, by the way. Juicy stories of Dr. Phil and those women that we had last week.
2: Right? And look, this is Sports Radio 560. Yep. Florida State sucks.
4: This fall, television changes forever. His tell-it-like-it-is style has already impacted millions of Americans. His appearances on Oprah have propelled him into the national limelight. Get ready for Dr. Phil. Well, Phil, we've been married 20 years. Don't cry. I'm not crying. Look at me when you talk. I'm, I'm looking right at you. See, your problem is you're stupid. No, you see, me and my husband, you <laughs> got a big butt, too, and you're stupid. Oh, what? <laughs> Why are you crying? You see, I don't have any sympathy for you. You oh, see, me and my husband. You're an idiot. We haven't had sex in like ten well, years. Well, I wouldn't have sex with you either. Look at the can on you. <laughs> Dr. Phil. You know, the problem seems to be I come home, I want to watch TV. Don't I want... tell me about you. Tell me about her. Well, I'm not trying to tell you. She comes into the room. Don't want... tell me what she does. Tell me what you do. I sit in the chair and I have the TV on. No, and you're she comes... too busy watching TV is your deal. That's what men want to do. We just want to watch TV. You can't do it. Well, I want to do it. And well, You do... can't do it. See, your problem is you're dumb. You're a dumb watching TV idiot. Excuse me? I said you're a dumb. Don't eyeball me like that. I'm trying to help you. You're on my show. You don't have your own show, do you? You know, you need some of this. Oh, how about this? Oh, idiot. Oh, Dr. Phil. See, Dr. Phil, he just doesn't... Now, why are you talking so quiet? You see, already I can tell that you're a pushover. But
7: but he just doesn't... Don't own...
4: tell me what he does. Uh,
7: but I just don't understand How
4: what... about some of this for you, too? Ah! Some of this. Ah! Dr. Phil, this fall. Here you go, Mr. Natsuboy, or Some love for you, too. <laughs>
0: 1032 at five, 560 WQAM. And how about that Jonathan Edwards, how he's doing it? Oh, yeah, See, I, I still get so irate when I think about poor Miss Cleo. Now, granted, they you know tacked on some extra phone bill stuff on there, but uh, hey, that's part of the game. They got to make a few bucks. But the idea that they went after Miss Cleo with such enthusiasm and with such vigor, and in the meantime, fakers like Jonathan Edwards with his crossing over bullcrap, and all these televangelists, and all, and uh, this guy, this Dr. Phil uh, faker. Hey, that's great TV, baby. And it's just like the infomercial thing, which, of course, Carlos is very big into. We had quite a lengthy conversation about infomercials before the show this morning for about 30 seconds. Now, I would say 95% of that stuff is crap. Oh, don't tell me my cable just went out. Oh, no. Oh, my Dame Rogers cable just went out here. It'll be back momentarily. moment here. There it is. Oh, thank goodness, because Presidente speaking.
7: He understands budgeting. That's important for this state.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's important for this country, too, but you don't get it, W. You don't get it. Don't mention budget because that like sounds like something to do with the economy. We don't want to talk about that right now, do we? No. No. Especially the uh, the green arrows are on there. The uh, Dow's up a few points, Nasdaq's up a few. We'll see how long that lasts until he's done talking. I see but every other day that <laughs> he opened up a mountain <laughs> <of> tank. <laughs> that always seems to happen, you know. Every day. It's either roughly. him or old Greenspan, you know. One or the other is on there, and every time it looks like a little bit of little bit of green is coming back into there, and all of a sudden you can watch it dropping like a gigantic rock. Officials didn't heed warnings, ex-election trainer says on radio. This is from the Herald today, so there's a chance it could be accurate. The woman responsible for training poll workers for the September 10th primary says she repeatedly warned Miami-Dade County's top election officials there'd be problems, but they didn't listen. Leonora Leonora Uribe, who was fired last week, took to Spanish-language radio to attack her bosses. Election Supervisor David Leahy and Deputy Supervisor Gisela Salas Ribe said the department resisted change, and she predicted voters would face bigger problems on November 5th. Oy. I can't imagine that. Can you? No. Nah, bigger? Dave Mayor, Alex Pinga Pequeña, questioned Rebay's motives. He said she had not mentioned any of those concerns when he met with her after a protest by some trainers over her dismissal. Why is she saying that Saturday on the radio, but she's not saying it with me, he says. Among Aribe's allegations, Salas and Leahy were responsible for the failure of the September 10 election. During a weekend interview, she said, They knew what was going on, and if they didn't know, I was constantly reminding them almost daily. Trainers sometimes lack proper equipment and materials to prepare for their classes before last week's municipal elections. When she complained, election officials insisted she direct them to these sessions anyway. After she questioned that idea, Salas ordered her to go home, and later she was fired for leaving work. The Elections Department made pitches in Spanish to recruit elderly Hispanics who spoke little English despite a state law that requires poll workers be proficient in that language. I think, I knowing our audience, I think I better read that very short <laughs> sentence again, okay, because it's going to make their blood. Talk about Boiling uh. Springs, North Carolina. It's going to make their blood boil. They're going to be pissed off and fired up. And what, what can you say about this? Because it's so typical of what goes on and that why nobody in their right mind wants to live there unless they're uh, forced to be there. You know what I'm saying, Carlos?
2: Only in the Banana Republic, baby. Only in Miami.
0: The Elections Department made pitches in Spanish to recruit elderly Hispanics who spoke little English, despite a state law that requires poll workers to be proficient in the language. And, of course, wouldn't it be great to have a whole bunch of old Julios in there uh, working in the uh, polling places? (laughs) The person in charge of poll worker recruitment consistently filled classes well beyond department limits, despite protests by trainers... Under department guidelines, classes were not to have more than 20 people. It's a tactic to throw you out in the field, Uribe recently told the Herald, when they say just have them do it, that impacts the county. Uribe took similar complaints to Spanish-language radio station La Poderosa, which on Monday rebroadcast her allegations. She also spoke on Gospel Station WMBM with the unctuous Bishop Victor T. Curry about what she considered to be unfair treatment of poll workers, with that professional Sparza Victor Curry. Who don't like this show, by the way. Too bad, Victor. We're doing pretty damn good, okay? So blow it out your ass and go have some watermelon. Some of Ariba's concerns mirror those contained in a report by County Inspector General Chris Mazell. It concluded that County and Elections Department officials did not do enough planning and organizing, even after being repeatedly notified about deficiencies. The report also for a faulted poor poll trainer working and experience level of some of the 50 people hired as trainers. Leahy fired Uribe last week saying she abandoned her training duties while the department was preparing for the October 1 municipal elections in North Miami and Palmetto Bay. Leahy, was working on today's Miami Lakes election, did not return calls, but Salas said the department did, not, did have difficulties in getting election systems and software to manufacture the iVotronic touch screen machines to assist in the training. But I believe we've overcome these difficulties, Salas said. At this point, Ms. Uribe is out in the community unnecessarily giving the appearance of friction and lack of cooperation among the administrative staff in particular. Pinga Pequeña also said he received emails from Elections employees upset with Uribe's broadcast comments. The mayor said he suspected her appearance on La Poderosa as part of a campaign by opponents of the county's human rights ordinance who repeatedly criticized the Elections Department. He suggested that the criticism was designed to galvanize supporters to launch a petition drive to get another initiative on a ballot. They're vilifying elections because they're trying to build a new case for new elections, he said. I can't imagine them doing that on Spanish-language radio. Can you? No. That would be bad. Can't believe that for a second. How's that poll coming? Who do you think is represents the greatest threat to the world today? We got 269 votes. Born Again Christians, 85. George W., 74. Mo Howard David, 35. I'll tell you one thing. He represents the greatest threat to a lot of people that work at QAM, Mo Howard David. Maybe not to the world at large. But, boy, all you got to do is look at him cross-eyed or even suggest that you might like me, George, or Carlos, or anybody associated with our show, and you're out. Don't come back in here. Don't put him on the air. Get him off the air. Let him do the updates, but don't let the beast down here again. Shut off his microphone right now, and I'll go back to bed. Not. I bet he's listening right now on his day off, mode. don't you think? No, no cl- of course not. He pretends does. he don't listen to the show. Wait till, right. he, wait till he finds out that we actually got his birth date. I'm talking about not just June 3rd, but the year. That's coming up a little later on. Let's see. I'm going back to this. Born Again Christians, 88. George W. Bush, 76. Uh, Moe Howard David, 35. A week third. Al-Qaeda, 29, Iraq, 24, Saudi Arabia, 13, Israel, 6, and Iran, 6. Of course, when you add the, you see, you, you've got a divided thing there with the Arab, fanatical Arab factions. So if you add, like, Al-Qaeda and Iran, is 53, and uh, Saudi Arabia, 65, uh 71. See what I'm saying? Yes. So they'd be right up there, but we kind of divvied it up. Divvy to Blame up, spread it out all the way around. we got the Mad Dog coming up at 1 o'clock from Shula Steak 2. Hank Goldberg at 3. A full four-hour show today, baby. Hope you take your vitamins this morning. <laughs> Four full hours, 3 to 7, with Patrick Sertain, 5 to 6. Sue will buy off an easy hour there. Nice going, Humper. Shiva's Regal talking hardball with the crow, and you better drink a lot of that stuff before you listen to that hour. 7 to 8, 15, hour and a quarter. 8.15 to 11 o'clock, or whatever the damn game is over, you got the ALCS, the American League Championship Series. Game one between the Anaheim Angels and the Minnesota Twins, the contracted Minnesota Twins. Eat your heart out, Bud Light, you idiot, you asshole. Eddie K after the baseball game, Joe and Mark overnight. Five
2: and local, this, this is 560. The is all yours now. <laughs> Hey, hang this up, baby.
6: Online Casino Radio, 560 WQAM presents Captain Mo Vainaru.
2: The ratings for the sports format were so bad, we had to start paying the sponsors. And when the only three listeners we had asked to get paid for listening, well, we thought we'd give this a try.
6: Hey, hello, boys and girls. This is your old Vainy captain, uh, Captain Vainaru. We got a uh, full docket of moith and the merriment over here. Eh, yeah, this stinks. I ought not be doing this, boys and girls. I was a big star at one time, see? But I got to tell you, kids, living in paradise ain't cheap. I need the check, understand? All right, let's see what we got over here. Got some gray paper. We'll finger something out the door with it. Captain. What do you want, Green James? Leave me alone.
8: Aren't you going to say good morning to our friends?
6: they yeah, are right. Morning, Moose. They call me Mr. Moose. Cause I'll be hung like a moose. I'm glad to hear it, man, dingo man. You be dissing me? Nah, nah, pipe down, pal. You woolies are all right by me. Got the good strong loins from uh, proper breeding. I just don't know what you just said. That's cause you're stupid. It? Yeah. Now we're gonna make something out of this crepe paper, you understand? Yo. Then maybe later I'll pull the link sausages out of my pants, okay?
5: <laughs> okay. All
6: right, now. Here's the paper. How many sheets you want, Green Jeans?
2: I'll take two. Two?
6: Yeah. So that's your take, huh? <laughs> It's a joke, you moron. I'll take one for me. How many for you, uh, Mr. Moose? Let me ten. Ten? Ten sheets of paper? That's right. Look at this black-ass monkey over here. Hmm? He wants ten sheets. Ten sheets of paper. Well, I got news for you, pal. Paper don't come cheap, you dumb titsoon. Hey. What you would have said I am going to cut your veiny throat. Help me out here, Green Jeans.
2: Stop Hey, hey. where's your Green Jeans? Around my ankles, yeah. where we want yours to be. That's
6: right. Pull them down, Green Jeans. Oh, no. Not again. <laughs>
3: Get up. Get 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 We'll be cool. right back. <laughs> With more <laughs> of you. For your boys and girls. <laughs>
0: 45 at 560 WQM. In line with that last story that we had about Spanish language radio. Yes. And about all those uh, Spanish. I, I can just see those people at the pool, you know. <laughs> old Jewish women and old Spanish women working arm in arm, hand in hand. <laughs> not. Spanish TV station where next week. Just what we needed was another Spanish language station in South Florida, boys and girls. Ow! And it's coming. Like it or not. The first locally-based, fully Spanish-language TV station in Palm Beach County, and the Treasure Coast is expected to sign on the air next week. Excited?
2: Incredible.
0: Thrilled. Uh. WWHB, oh, I like the way that sounded there in that little kind of time tunnel. That was beautiful. A reverb greps. WWHB Channel 43 will operate out of Stewart. There's a need in the market for this TV station, said WWHB owner Bill Brothers will continue to own and operate 10-year-old WTC and Channel 14. I do like his sewing machines, though. Brothers? Gladys Pinero, president of the 100-member Spanish-American Club of the Treasure Coast, said she was happy to hear about the new station. There are so many moving here. Every time I go to Publix, I hear more people talking Spanish. <laughs> oh, this is what everybody in South Florida just needed to hear, okay? The 2000 census classified 12.4% of Palm Beach County's 1.1 million residents as as Hispanic, Hispanics numbered 32,620 in Martin, St. Lucie, and Indian River counties. WWHB is expected to reach by antenna 85% of the local TV market, which includes an area stretching from Sebastian Inlet to Boca Raton in Okeechobee County. Brothers said his Spanish language outlet is not considered a must-carry and therefore will not be offered on local cable systems, at least not in the beginning. He said he purchased the station from waqtv 19 Inc. Terms were not released. Channel 19, which has been off the air for about a year, was forced to move to Channel 43 to avoid interference with the digital signal of Miami's WD, uh, B, it says BZL, but it's DZL, isn't it? Yes, it Channel is. Channel 39?
1: DZL. Yeah.
0: Uh, well I got it. This is in the Sun Central, so it's another mistake. That station will operate on Channel 19 in Dade County. The broadcaster who said landing license took a year said Channel 43's antenna will be situated in a thousand foot tower in Hobe Sound. We should reach from Boca to southern Indian River County, said of his new station, which doesn't have a specific on-air date yet, but it's coming, baby. It's coming. We wish him well, said Greg Wyatt, owner of Fort Pierce's WIRAAM 1400 radio. We've had very good luck with Hispanic programming. Wyatt said he hopes brothers will offer local loans. How do you like that? They got a Spanish language radio station in Fort Pierce. Had no idea. Lake Worth-based Radio Fiesta AM 1380 provides Spanish-language news and plays ranchero music, popular in Mexico and Central America. What the hell is ranchero music? I thought
1: that was a salad dressing. Mexican music. It's for the tomato pickers.
0: La cucaracha, you mean?
1: Right. Some of that
0: hoochie-coochie, like uh, some of that Luis Miguel stuff, the hoochie-coochie stuff he did. That big hat music. I see. Da-da-da! Like that. Yeah, there you go. With a lot of the uh, maracas. Stuff like that. Oh, here's a
1: good article by
0: Howard Goodman in the Sun Sentinel today. Hopefully there won't be any mistakes in this one, because the Sun Sentinel don't make no mistakes. Just ask little bald-headed Tommy Jicka, who's got his 50th column of the week, and it's only Tuesday. Prejudiced or pandering the private side of Bush, and we're talking about Governor Jeb here, writes Howard Goodman in today's Sun Sentinel. It's a month until Election Day, and candidates are vying for your vote by swathing themselves in the kindest, gentlest images that advertising can buy. I haven't seen so much endearing footage since Bambi. Here's Representative Clay Shaw with smiling senior citizens. Here's Democratic gubernatorial candidate Bill McBride, airboating in the Everglades bathed in sunset amber. Here's his opponent, Governor Jeb Bush, encircled by happy school children. In the hands of the admin, each of these guys glows like a combination of Albert Schweitzer and Santa Claus. But every once in a while, we get a glimpse behind the curtain. Such a moment occurred last week when Governor Bush entertained a delegation of panhandle legislators by giving some juicy details about the feckless caretakers of Aurelia Wilson, the 6 year old whose disappearance has given Florida yet another black eye. Oh, and that was just a matter of speech, wasn't it? Black right, eye. No pun intended. The girls' guardians, Pamela and Geraldine Graham, were arrested Wednesday. Allegations they illegally collected $14,000 in pubic assistance checks. Bush told the legislators the news. Then he added the implication that the women are lesbians. Bush said, as Pamela Graham was being arrested, she told her co-workers, tell my wife I've been arrested. The wife is the grandmother, the aunt is the husband. He made quotation marks with his fingers around grandmother. But you don't get that in Pensacola, Bush told the legislators. A reporter from the Pensacola News Journal taped the governor's remarks. She also caught him outlining his devious plans for subverting the class size amendment, if voters approve it, by pitting senior citizens and children against each other in a budget battle. Criticized, Bush the next day said he thought about he thought the gathering was private, didn't know a reporter was listening. He said he was only kidding about devious plans and didn't mean any disrespect to lesbians. No, sure. then why bring it up? What possible relevance does a surmise about the women's sexual orientation have to do with the tragedy of a missing little girl for which a state agency bears a good share of responsibility? If Bush's idea was to deflect blame onto the caretakers, he didn't need to embellish with a nugget to titillate the rubes. Geraldine Graham's record of arrest in 40 aliases speaks volumes enough about her character. I can think of two possible explanations... Either the unvarnished Bush really is as smarmy and homophobic as his unscripted remarks suggest, or he's following a Bush family tradition. Remember when Poppy boasted that he'd kicked a little ass after debating Geraldine Ferraro? He's acting the like good old boy when he thinks that's what his audience wants to hear. Take your pick. The governor's either prejudiced or he's pandering. Nadine Smith, executive director of Equality Florida, perhaps the state's largest gay and lesbian advocacy group, says the Bush captured on tape is the Bush he knows. He's been at best indifferent and at worst openly hostile on gay and lesbian issues, Smith said. He's declined ever to even meet with a group which reports 50,000 members. Smith said Bush uh, Bush brushed off one request for meeting with an email saying, I'm not in favor of extending special rights to the gay and lesbian community. He added that he's opposed to gay and lesbian marriages and adoptions and frowns on benefits to domestic partners. But these issues aren't about special rights. They're a matter of acknowledging basic human rights to people now denied them. Besides, you don't have to be gay or lesbian to be offended that Florida's chief executive thinks it's okay to make sniggering remarks that would sound ignorant from a 12-year-old. Jeb, you should apologize, and seeing as how you're not so great without a script, here's a little help. Just say, I shouldn't have made the comment, I'm sorry. Writes Howard Goodman in today's Sun Sentinel. How do you like that? You go, Howard. But he ain't going to do it because we know he's a bigoted piece of right-wing a born-again turd, okay? Follows that same old party line. And, of course, isn't it interesting that he uses that same term about special rights? Sounds just like what those right-wing spics were using in Dade County to try to overturn the gay rights ordinance, right? That's the spiel. Special rights, not uh, equal rights, right? Same old tired ultra-right-wing agenda that we've been here now for 15 years and more. Ariana Huffington writes, The Iraq question nobody's asking. No one in the Bush administration is talking about how many of our soldiers will be sent home in body bags. She says, sitting on a desk somewhere in the Pentagon is a computer printout listing projected American casualties for a range of Iraq invasion scenarios. Unfortunately, these vital figures are the only numbers that haven't been part of the war debate. We've heard all kinds of estimates about how much the war is going to cost, including Aerie Fleischer's ultra-macho bullet to Sodom's head discount special, how many troops will be deployed, how much the price of oil may go up, and the over-under at how long our forces will have to remain in Iraq. We've been given headcounts of Iraq's fractious Kurds and Shiites, Reference numbers for Security Council resolutions defied and been frequently reminded that Sodom has remained in power for 34 years, 11 of them since the last time we tried to send him in his mustache packing. But no one in the Bush administration is talking about how many of our soldiers will be sent home in body bags, and not a single reporter has stood up at a press conference or one of the President's countless fundraising appearances and asked, Mr. President, how many young Americans are going to die? Will the deaths number in the hundreds, as was the case in Desert Storm, and as would be again? If Sodom collapsed like a cheap umbrella, or will they be closer to the ten to 50,000 some experts have predicted, and is Sodom the clear and present danger that would justify asking our sons and daughters to give up their lives for our, their country? The question of casualties is all the more important given the weight attached to polls showing that over 70% of Americans support an invasion of Iraq. This purported groundswell of public opinion is being dropped like an old-fashioned dumb bomb to kill dissent on both sides of the political aisle. Let's set aside for a moment the ludicrousness of basing our national security policy on the shoot from the hip responses of a person who's been interrupted in the middle of dinner, or a soapy shower helping the kids with their homework and asked by a pollster, do you support the President's policy on Iraq? The fact is, the number of Americans in favor of going to war with Iraq plummets down to only 39% of the latest Zogby poll when the prospect of thousands of American casualties is added to the question. And such a bloody outcome is very likely given the kind of urban warfare it's going to take to oust Sodom. Forget about the caves of Tora Bora, or the open desert cakewalk of the last Gulf War. Baghdad is a densely populated city of four million people, roughly the same size as Los Angeles. Picture our troops having to battle their way down Hollywood Boulevard in search of a lone madman. We have to be prepared to fight block by block in Baghdad, says General Joseph Hoare, the former commander-in-chief of the military central command. All our advantages of command and control, technology, mobility, all of these things are in part given up, and you're working with corporals and sergeants and young men fighting street to street. It looks like the last 15 minutes of saving Private Ryan or every frame of Black Hawk down. The high number of casualties that would result from gaining control of a heavily defended Baghdad is the main reason Colin Powell, Norman Schwarzkopf and the president's father pulled up short of the capital city last time we took on Sodom. And remember that Sodom is a master of that ruthless strategy of defense known as the human shield. Even the smartest bombs will not be able to discern between Republican guardsmen and Iraqi children. That'll be the dangerous business of Army Rangers, Marine Expeditionary Units, and other special forces. And unlike the Gulf War, which was primarily about the liberation of Kuwait, this war is about the elimination of Sodom. We've heard again and again that this ruthless despot will do anything, no matter how reckless or costly, to preserve his own regime. And we also know that he's been amassing stockpiles of biological and chemical weapons, hideous high-body-count instruments disdained by the civilized world. You don't have to be George Tenet to connect these dots. Sodom will use whatever weapons he can in the impending fight to the finish. If he's going down, he's taking as many of us with him as he can. The likelihood is very good that it could use weapons of mass destruction. General John Shalikov Levy, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, told the Senate Armed Services Committee in September it could get very messy. The casualties, in my judgment, could be very high, he said. We're told by the proponents of invading Iraq that it's a bold step necessary to prevent future casualties, but in order to make an informed decision on the war, shouldn't the people be told how many present casualties we will have to suffer in order to avoid these future ones? asks Arianna Huffington at today's Salon.com. You go, girl. 10.56 at 560 QAM.
2: We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. Rogers got. I smoke to joints at night, I smoke to joints in the afternoon, it makes me feel alright. I smoke to joints in time
5: of peace and two in time of war, I smoke to joints before I smoke
3: to joints.
8: Hard work good and hard work fine,
3: but first take care of it. So now I smoke to
8: joy
5: when I get up,
3: alright. In the car I smoke to joyce, I smoke to joyce when I play video games, and at every 10,000 points I smoke to joyce, I smoke to joyce.
0: 245 wqam happy Tuesday to you. So guess who's uh, in the news again? I give up. What do you you? His first initial is...
6: Oh!
1: Osama? No. Oh actually, they or- spell Orla- his name... Huh? Orlando Alzagari? No.
0: Out of sight, out of mind. Oh! Let me give you a clue. I killed Nicole. O.J. Does that narrow it down for you just a, just a little bit? A little bit. Hey, before oh, we get
1: into that, I, we have to uh, correct ourselves, at least I do. what What did we do wrong? Um... WDZL changed to WBZL when they joined with the WB. Get it? So it is the I, z- <laughs> I see. Oh, and guess what? You know something? What? It goes to show you
0: how, how lucky sometimes we are. If you wouldn't have mentioned that, I forgot because the days and the weeks are just flying by. Oh, so that's like right, some kind tonight. of an evil trick on me? Big event like tonight. A big night tonight, Tuesday. It's the Smallville, baby. Ah! It ain't too small when you got a size 14 shoe, I'll tell you that. On the Smallville w. on the WB. So we love w, the BZL because of the WB. So Sun Sentinel didn't make that mistake. I'm sure I could find many others if I tried. But why bother, okay? And?
6: A,
1: yes. Uh, There's uh, more? Well, uh, unrelated, but you were talking about the uh, Jeb comments earlier. For those who want to hear the actual tape. Yes. Online. Www. Www com and it sounds like this. If that's
10: the case, then maybe we can find a way to create a, a, a policy mechanism to make that happen. This initiative passes, on. I just I wouldn't suggest we would pay for it. Hope we don't have to. Hey, tax the lawyers. No, actually in the private in private sector. <laughs> we have a big uh, debt like that. We sometimes have to look at assets. Assets and I would say that one that's possible that's way to pay for it. Grind up the and asphalt back to the asphalt. <laughs> <laughs> like you have know, to replace it with concrete? Well, we're just going to drive on dirt for a while. Well, you're, you're, you're or we're going to have to cut nursing home. Okay. you got go to go that big, to yeah. the big places, and there's a disconnect right now on that. So, yeah, I've got a couple of devious plans if they in the that uh, you know might might want to consider having a full have another look at it with the full kind of the full monkey you know the full full costs and benefits so that so that uh, consumers um, voters will have have the full ramifications of this including you know which tax will go up and which programs uh
0: give it all for, you want it. And that's it. That was it? Pretty weak. I didn't hear the part where he talked about um, the details of the devious plans about setting no, the know, old people against...
1: Huh? That was towards the end there. I got a couple devious plans that... Uh, no, no, but he didn't,
0: uh, he didn't finish it.
1: No, no. no well, at any rate, that was... Uh, right. And it didn't sound at any point in that part of it that he was
0: joking. No. Did that sound like joking to you? No, that he, he, was, was cannot... he was sharing. He was dead serious because he was... I th- th- thought he was speaking only to a group of his own of his own right-wing, bigoted, Neanderthal, phony, uh, Bible-toting assholes like him. His That's team. what he thought he was talking to. And then all of a sudden we got a Pensacola reporter and oh, it was just a joke. <laughs> you know, this all reminds me of that asshole that called. I, I just, it's a call that sticks in my mind even more so than how do I attack the buffet at the Emerald Coast. The, the punk that called like back after the election two years ago. I've made reference to him many, many times. Uh, He couldn't vote for Gore because he couldn't relate to the people who voted for him. And I said to him at the time, and now here we are two years later, now that this born-again feeding frenzy is out of the closet, and I just am curious, can he relate to these people, the nose-pickers that voted for W? Of course. And the same bigoted nose-pickers that are going to vote for his brother in uh, four weeks? Of course. Very sad. Very sad. Very, very sad, because if you're a fanatical, born-again evangelical nutcase, then by all means, uh, you should embrace both of them. You should put your arms around the bushes. But other than that, I can't imagine anybody wanting to be a party to any of this. Nevertheless, that's just, you know, my own personal opinion. That kid, that 13-year-old kid is still in critical but stable condition in Maryland. I just mentioned that in passing, and they still don't know a damn thing about it, about the sniper. They know nothing. zippity doodah dah you know? Nothing. They know nothing. Now, can I get back to O.J., because that was... Oh, yeah. uh, no, 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 I can't wait. Josie Lambie, remember our good... Speaking of the Sunsettl, our good close personal friend. Actually, Norm Kent's close personal friend that Norm used to call and spew a lot of stuff to that I didn't want in the newspaper, and because Norm has got a loose lip, you like that? Because Norm just can't control himself? But at any rate, because Norm wants to look like a big superstar, you know, like something that he is, like a radio agent, which he's not. How's your contract coming, by the way? Huh? Oh no, seriously, I thought that was supposed to have been taken care of. I mean, Muff called me on Friday, and uh, they were taking my temperature, and they said, over. we're going to stick the thermo- thermometer in your... Wreck them. And, uh, you know, everything was supposed to be moving ahead, full uh, full speed ahead. I ain't heard nothing. Well, we better start hearing something pretty damn good in the next couple of days, I'll tell you that, because today is the 8th of October, and the deadline that was put in uh, plaster of Paris was like October 10th, I believe, by Miss Kent. So uh, Greg Reed better get off his high horse and off his ass in there and get with it, okay? Instead of listening to a bunch of stupid ball games, he better get with it. Take the jockstrap off, put some real underwear on because people are starting to talk, and get on the phone and return people. Now, maybe he already has. I don't know. I just mentioned this all in passing just to try to goose him along. O.J. wants to be the next Simon Cowell, but producers tell him to take a hike, writes Josie Lambreed in the Star Confidential in this week's Star. I apologize. I said the Globe. It's in the Star Disgraced football great O.J. Simpson desperately wanted to become a Simon Cowell-style judge on a new reality TV show, but he flew into a rage when producers told him, thanks but no thanks. I'm O.J. Simpson, he raged to a producer of Final Cut, a show that wants to be the, to the art of acting what meanie Judge Cowell's American Idol is to music. A rep for Simpson, then the alleged double murderer himself, approached Final Cut's makers in Vancouver, British Columbia, to beg for a job as a judge, but when he was turned down, Simpson let loose a rambling monologue about his fame. I'm famous, nobody puts me off... What? A rambling monologue. A rambling monologue. I am famous, nobody puts me off like that, Simpson. said, according to the source, the idea of having the juice on is an attention grabber, to say the least. The final cut pits wannabe actors against each other until a cast is assembled for a sitcom. To weed out the talentless week after week, the company's looking for celebrity judges. In the same vein as idols Cowell and Paula Abdul. The production company TV stars is f- feverishly recruiting candidates and judges while networks ponder buying the show. The Vancouver-born star of the WB's network, Dawson Creek, Joshua Jackson, has been approached to be one of the three judges. We have no idea how O.J. heard about this, the source said, but there he was on the phone lobbying for it. We decided against hiring him because he'd be too distractive. Telling that to Simpson, however, <laughs> caused a heated exchange. The producer used a phony deadline as an exchange for squeezing out the juice. Simpson sounded shocked. I was put on, I won my case and I'm very popular again. Everybody loves me. I want to do this show. <laughs> everybody loves OJ, huh? Everybody loves Raymond and everybody loves O. J. When's that show start? Starting the members of uh this building. That and that's right. Screw Ann, the Water Nazi, Greg, and of course Roy. Who's probably still on the payroll. Sam. That's when they that's when a producer hung up on Simpson. Simpson didn't return calls for comment, but his lawyer, Yel Galanter, who is always busy, said it's clear that Simpson would love nothing more than work. He hasn't had a job since he was arrested for the murder of his ex-wife, Nicole Brown, and Ron Goldman in '94. He was cleared criminally, but then found liable for the deaths by a civil court. Simpson, 55, now lives on his $20,000 a month National Football League pension. Poor baby. O.J.'s got other things in the works. Solander said, we're negotiating with two television networks. For what kind of job? Galander says, Simpson has been approached to act as a consultant. If actor Robert Blake's wife-killing case goes to trial, that <laughs> sort of makes sense, doesn't it, says Josie Lambie. <laughs> yeah. How do you like that?
5: Maybe they'll even put a
0: cockatoo on his shoulder. Knock the chip off the one shoulder and put a cockatoo on the other one. So there you go, O.J. That's a great line, though. Uh, everybody loves me. I'm very popular again. I want to do this show.
5: <laughs>
0: and at the bottom of this page... I wasn't even going to bother with this, but because she looks so much like her
1: sister, Britney's little sis, yeah. a diva in train. You see this? I've, I've seen the pictures and uh, some of her on TV, too. Britney's mini-me sibling had a very
0: adult oops on the set of the Nickelodeon kids' comedy show, All That. Confidential spies say that 11-year-old Jamie Lynn Spears, Britney's little sis gets mighty unhappy when someone tries to take away her Starbucks Frappuccino's. The prime-sized fledgling pop star is currently filming skits for the show in L.A. On the set, she was recently summoned to the makeup chair. She came in with a huge frappuccino loaded with whipped cream, my snitch says. She was sitting in the makeup chair slurping it. The makeup artist kept asking her to stay still, but Jamie Lynn wouldn't do it, so the grown-up nicely took the drink away. The makeup artist finally told Jamie Lynn that the quieter she remained, the quicker she'd get her drink back. You should have seen her sitting as still as a statue. Don't know about you, but I wonder what an 11-year-old girl is doing with large coffee drinks anyway, where it's Josie Lambie, huh? Mind your own business, Josie, okay? Don't be sticking your nose in it. Plus, she's only 11 years old. I'm sure it was a de-calf frappuccino. I would not be putting uh, naked pictures of 11-year-olds in the paper if I was you. at 5.60 WQAM, let me tell you right now about shopping for a new mattress. One easy call. That's all you do is stick your finger on those buttons and dial 1-800-MATTRESS, one 800 T -T R have been doing this for years. I mean, you know, you don't need a mattress that often, but every few years the mattress wears out. You start feeling it. You don't get a good night's sleep, and, you know, it's time to say adios to the old mattress and get you a great new one. And so I pick up the phone like you shouldn't call the experts at Dollar Mattress because I know I get a great deal, unbeatable service, and a sensational name brand mattress at an unbeatable price. How can you beat that? Call 1-800-Mattress, pick the brand name mattress you want. CERTA, Sealy, Simmons, King Core, they got exactly the one you're looking for in stock, ready for just about immediate delivery within uh, just a couple hours after you call, or any two-hour window that's convenient for you. Any day of the week, seven days a week, you pick the time, and they'll be there. And unlike those bedding stores, they got every day unbeatable low prices, and they'll never do the old bait and swish. Exactly the mattress you want will be coming on your way to your house. They come into your home, they take away the crappy old bedding, they set up the brand new one, and if it isn't exactly what you want, and you got up to 30 days to decide that, they'll take it back and exchange it for you, no questions asked. So be smart, call Diala Mattress right now, you'll be sleeping like an infant as soon as tonight. Call 1-800-Mattress, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on that web at Mattress.com.
2: This is Sports Radio
9: 560. QAM. Kill Nicole.
3: Seems.
5: I one emergency? Can you get again? someone over here now? to 325 Gretna Green. He's back.
3: Please. You little. What is he doing? Is he threatening you? <sighs> that was nuts. Are you mad, woman? Or is he just harassing you? <sighs> You're going to hear him in a minute. He's about to get in again. No. Just stay on the line so we can know what's going on until the police get there, okay? Oh, dear God, no! Yes, I'm a coward, Dad. In case he comes in, I need to hear what's going on. All right, can you hear that line? Is he yelling? Yes. Okay. Is he, has he been drinking?
2: It's not whether you win or lose. It's how drunk you get. Flaming!
0: 1119 at 560 WQAM. Got a lot of votes on that poll. Who do you think is the uh, represents the greatest threat to the world today? 357 votes. Born-again Christians in first place, 109, but not a comfortable lead because George W. is right on their ass. He's got 97. Mo Howard David, 46, kind of a respectable third-place showing. Al-Qaeda's got 37, Iraq, 33, Saudi Arabia, 19, Iran, 10, and Israel's only got six. Oy. Only got six. That's funny because they got 14 yesterday.
1: <laughs> That's good.
0: And he only got six today. Well, it's early in the day. No, it's actually not early. It's late in the day. Later than you think. They're way ahead of us. The parent company of the Dallas Morning News accused House Majority Leader Dick Armey of trying to retaliate against the newspaper for its coverage of his son's failed congressional bid. Reporting in yesterday's editions, the newspaper said the Texas Republican tried to have language inserted into a $10 billion military appropriations bill to force Bellow Corporation to divest itself of one of its three Dallas media properties. Bellow owns the news, three other daily newspapers, and 19 TV stations across the country. The provision did not mention Bellow by name. Bellow executives said Army was retaliating for the newspaper's coverage of his son, Scott Army, a former Denton County judge who lost an April runoff for the seat of his father who's retiring. Army did not return calls for comment by the AP. Uh, the Morning News uh, said Army didn't respond to their request for comment either. Leading up to the election articles published in the news and another bellow property, the Denton Record Chronicle, looked at Scott Army's record as judge, including his votes for contracts benefiting political associates. At the time, the Elder Army accused the newspaper of vicious unprofessionalism. The newspaper, of course, denied the accusation. How do you like that, Dick Army? He's not only pissed off with Barney Fagg, he's upset with the newspapers because his kid lost. Aww. But the good news for us is he's retiring. Ow! He's out. Bye-bye to Dick Armey. Bye-bye to uh, Bobby Barr. And who was the other one? There was one other one we talked about the other day. Good news, whoever the hell it was. The man suspected of stabbing Paris's openly gay mayor early Sunday told interrogators he did it because he disliked politicians and homosexuals, judicial officials said. Bertrand Delano was expected to remain hospitalized for at least a week to recover from the single stab wound to his abdomen. His office had initially described the injury as minor. He had surgery for three hours after being rushed to Pitié-Salpêtrière hospital. How do you say that? I don't know. Uh, what a pity at Salpeter hospital. I think that's what that means. The unidentified suspect who was taken into custody immediately confessed to the stabbing said judicial officials who spoke on condition of anonymity. They said the 39-year-old attacker told them he was a devout Muslim and acted out of opposition to politicians and gays. Investigators believe the suspect is not linked to any Islamic fundamentalist parties. The suspect, who's been uh, hospitalized previously for psychiatric treatment, comes from one of the toughest neighborhoods in the Paris suburbs. Delano, 52, was attending a lively all-night party at City Hall as part of Paris' first-ever sleepless night festival when he was attacked. Dozens of museums and tourist attractions, including the Eiffel Tower, were open all night, and concerts and art exhibits were being held throughout the French capital. Nearly 2,000 people had gathered at City Hall for a concert of electronic lounge music and other festivities. Delano moved freely among the crowd without any security guards when he was stabbed in the Salle des Fêtes, a lavish ballroom de- de- decorated with red and green lights and palm trees. I have no idea how you say any of these French words. Salé de fête. Whatever. I don't know. And I- we don't care because they're frogs. Mayoral spokesman David Lamblois said security was kept to a minimum because Delano wanted to maintain a relaxed atmosphere. Visitors milled about were able to enter and leave the building without being searched or questioned. Delano never lost consciousness, even gave the order for the party to continue as he was being taken to the hospital, Lamblois said. lamblois He said, don't ever give an order like that again. Ségolène Royal, a former uh, socialist family minister who visited the mayor at the hospital, said he suffered injuries to several organs and would be hospitalized for at least eight days. The attack was the second in less than three months against a prominent French politician. On July the 14th, a man allegedly tried to shoot President Jacques Chirac as he reviewed troops at the annual Bastille Day military parade in uh, Paris. In a statement, Chirac said he was outraged by the stabbing and hoped for a quick recovery. An unknown socialist politician when he took office in spring 2001, Delano had used his term to improve the city's quality of life one of a handful of openly gay politicians in France. Delano disclosed his homosexuality on a TV program in 1999, and the revelation caused few waves. He's known for splashy gestures, including turning the banks of the Seine River into a beach replete with sand, palm trees, and parasols. The sleepless night festival was another innovation from his orifice.
1: How do you like that? Splashy uh, gestures. Like Charles Nelson Riley, kind of like that, you know. So did you say that the green arrows were up before the president was talking
0: Oh please don't tell me that the arrows are red.
1: Okay, Let me I take tell a...
0: you. Oh no, the president spoke and yeah, the like Dow was hard. up about twenty five. The Nasdaq was up a few, and now the Dow is down fifty five. The Nasdaq's down six, and they're both sliding like a like a rock every day. For in a week fact, and a half. in fact, the Dow now how now you old Dow is <laughs> under seventy four hundred. It's now seventy three sixty seven. Can you can you believe it? Never fails. Every time this man opens his mouth on TV, everybody runs to the phone, gets their broker on the phone. sell, sell. You know, because it's a reminder, I guess, that there's uh, that's what we got. Now, let's see. What's this uh, facts here? Although O.J. was turned down for that show, he was uh, signed to be part of an HBO special titled O.J. White vs. Black, which is a documentary which puts the original verdict of Not Guilty to be hashed out with the vocal arguments between whites and blacks. Also, and yes, it is true. HBO is going to premiere another show where cameras have followed George W., President Dumschmidt through his daily work. A weekly program, a la The Osbournes, will air in early November, same as the O.J. special. Early sneak peek footage, Bush is seen making funny faces to the camera and telling bad jokes. As John Stossel says, give me an and break. How do you like that from one of our chronic facts? Huh? I don't. So we can see what they... Yeah, the thing about the funny faces, I would read about that. He's... That's he one loves. of his favorite things. He's yeah, like clown. Yeah, like the uh, you know the the thumbs in the ears and that uh, right. the thing with the fingers, you know the Alfred E. Newman deal. Of course, you don't have to act to do the Alfred E. Newman deal. Just act natural, like the Beatles would say. <laughs> and he's uh, catching up now in our poll. Who do you think represents the greatest threat to the world today? Born again Christians, one oh nine, but George W. One oh two out of three hundred and sixty nine votes. Moa Howard's got fifty. Al Qaeda thirty-seven, Iraq thirty-six. I think they're spreading them out today. The cases. Saudi Arabia nineteen, Iran ten, and Israel still stuck on six. Better get busy, Ariel. Better get your aerial out.
1: Yeah, that's how he finds them, you know. The Palestinians with he's got a long aerial. He's got a divining rod. uh,
0: Twenty-six past eleven at five sixty WQM. We got the Mad Dog coming up at one o'clock today, who I'm sure will still be quelling in the wake of that Dolphin win on Sunday. It's only one game, baby. He'll be quelling talking about the electric atmosphere and about that Olindo Mare. How, how come we never got any feedback on that? Because I asked the beast about that this morning. He, like, uh, made fun of that. Oh, no, he didn't. He said, that's how I think he pronounced it. You've got to be talking to your buddy Joe Costello because he went to school with Olindo and he would know how you pronounce his name. Now, if everybody else in the world says Olindo Mare, I'm assuming that we're all right. But it could be Olindo Mare rhymes with he can sure play and he's not gay. And soiree. And what, do you, what do you say? And you know, gay soiree. 26 after 11 at 560, WQAM, and let me tell you about Oleomed right now. You know, at this point, you say to yourself, what more can you say but just go out and buy some, you know, after all this time? Just go out and start taking it. Well, can it hurt? Of course not. And it can only do good things for you. That's what it's all about. Oleomed is a little soft gel capsule. It's easy to take. You just pop it right in your mouth, and it contains good stuff, and they make a different product geared to help each different part of your bu- your health, your thing. Uh, It contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil combined with vitamins, minerals, and herbals, and they have one product specifically designed to help your heart, one for your blood pressure to keep it down and calm, one for your cholesterol, and one for your prostate, all in an easy, like I said, soft gel capsule, easy to pop. And it's also got the product for circulatory, for your digestive endocrine system, your skin and bones, even your mind, all using the benefits of the purest olive oil you've ever seen in your life, and Oleomed makes products to help men and uh, for women's health as well. So, if you want to pick some up, just hop in the old uh, car, get out on the highway, and good luck to you. And pick some up at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedanos, and Navarro Pharmacies. You know who always says good luck to you? Yeah, I do. For more information, call, well, this isn't his account, and uh, thank God. For more information, call Oleomed at 1 866 Oleomed. That's 866 Oleomed. How's Skippy doing, by the way? you seen him lately? Not lately. And you can also order this uh, outstanding product online if you like at OleomedAmerica.com. Maybe they know how Skippy's doing at Oleomed.
2: Live and local. Here's Sports Radio 560, UAM, What's this obsession with Hokie? Good morning.
7: Owning a home lies at the heart of the American dream. It serves as the foundation of many Americans' financial security. And the good news is this. Less than half of all African Americans and Hispanic Americans are homeowners. We must prevent minorities from owning a piece of the American dream. So I have asked the Congress to join me in creating a second obstacle to minority homeownership, permanent complexity and difficulty of the purchasing process. But government action isn't enough. That is why I've challenged the real estate industry leaders to join with the government in a major nationwide effort to increase abusive and unscrupulous lenders with an overriding and urgent mission prevent minorities from owning a piece of the American dream. And we are doing just that. Thank you for listening. And you're welcome.
0: Uh, mean-spirited right-wing bastards, I guess, is the best way to describe the Bush brothers. You know? Yeah, the whole family, the whole clan. Boy, I, I keep thinking more about that uh, Jeb Bush thing, you know? And then, then after hearing the audio, that, there was no joke intended. There was nothing that it was humorous. The only, the only joke was intended about the lesbians, you know, with the quotes that thing. Uh, like, but uh, not a funny joke. Sick. Really sick. And then that's what they're all about. Just like that uh, Dykes. I mean, that the uh, broad said. at 5.60 WQM, Bush administration plans to appoint scantily credentialed doctor to influential FDA panel on women's health policy, battle raging over doctor whose writings recommend scripture readings and prayer for headaches and premenstrual syndrome. This from Time Magazine.
1: You ready for that? I'm I'm locking myself in.
0: His writings recommend scripture readings and prayer for headaches and premenstrual syndrome. He'll lead the FDA panel that looks into hormone replacement therapy, the biggest issue in women's health. By the way, prayer doesn't help. It says a quiet battle is raging over the Bush administration's plan to appoint a scantily credentialed doctor, Dr. W. David Hager, to head an influential FDA panel on women's health policy, Times Karen tumulti reports, and there's quite a tumult about it. Hager is an obstetrician gynecologist whose writings include a book titled As Jesus Cared for Women, Restoring Women Then and Now, and Stress in the Women's Body, which he co authored with his wife Linda. The book stress puts an emphasis on the restorative power of Jesus Christ in one's life and recommends specific uh, scripture readings and prayers for such ailments as headaches and premenstrual syndrome, Time reports. Though his resume describes Hager as a University of Kentucky professor, a university official says Hager's appointment is part-time and voluntary and involves working with interns at Lexington Central Baptist Hospital, not the university itself. In his private practice, two sources familiar with it say, Hager refuses to prescribe contraceptives to unmarried women. Hager did not return several calls for comment, Time Magazine reports. FDA advisory panels have near, often have near final say over crucial health questions. If Hager becomes chairman of the 11-member Reproductive Health Drugs Advisory Committee, he will lead its study of hormone replacement therapy for menopausal women, one of the biggest controversies in healthcare. Some conservatives are trying to use doubts about such therapy to discredit the use of birth control pills, which contain similar compounds. The panel also made the key recommendation in 1996 that led to approval of the abortion pill, RU486, a decision that abortion foes are still fighting. Hager assisted the Christian Medical Association last August in a citizen's petition calling upon the FDA to reverse itself on RU486, saying it's endangered the lives of the health and the health of women, Time reports. Hager was chosen for the post by FDA Senior Associate Commissioner Linda Eriskladini, a former drug industry lobbyist with longstanding ties to the Bush family. Let me read that sentence again, okay? Hager was chosen for the post by FDA Senior Associate Commissioner Linda Eriskladini, a former drug industry lobbyist with longstanding ties to the Bush family. Sklodini rejected at least two nominees proposed by FDA staff members, Donald R. Madison, former dean of the University of Pittsburgh School of Public Health, and Michael F. Green, director of maternal fetal medicine at Massachusetts General Hospital. Despite pressure from inside the FDA to make Hager's appointment, temporary sources say Sklodini has insisted that they be given a full four-year term. FDA spokesman Bill Pierce called Hager well-qualified time reports. How do you like that, huh? Oh, I'm going to be ill. Exactly, like I keep trying to tell you, baby. They stole the election, and these right-wing fundamentalist lunatics are taking over the whole goddamn country. They couldn't do it back when Reagan was in there. They came as close as they thought they ever were going to do back then. And then we kind of fended them off for a while because it come to find out that Bush, one, wasn't in that category. He wasn't of that mentality. And then, of course, Bubba sure hell wasn't. And so they had to steal the election to work their way back in here so we can appoint fascists like this in a, in a very highly sensitive post to organizations like the FDA, et cetera. And, of course, not to mention all the judges. Wow. Absolutely nauseating. I think you owe an apology, by the way, to uh, Gary Condit. Uh, we'll get to that story in a minute. No. More important story, something more positive first, okay? I don't I don't think she looks all that good. Man, oh, he's a lot prettier than she is. Unless well, this is a bad picture, Tara oh, Reed. Oh, no, she's cute. Ooh. Totally cute. Huh? She's very cute. Well, she ain't cute in this picture, okay? I'll take your word for it. This is page... No, don't take my word for it. Page 10 in this week's Inquirer. When you're standing at the checkout at Publix, just pick up this week's Inquirer. If you got it down there yet, it's the October. Uh, what is it? I don't know what the date is on it. How come they don't put the date on these things? More you know, shelf life, longer shelf life. Oh. Makes it. Oct- Oct- here it is, October 15. So in other words, it's next week's because it always comes out a week ahead of time. If you get the new one, which we always have here, like pronto. Anyway, Tara Reid moves in with Super Bowl hunk Tom Brady. Ah! Super Bowl winning quarterback Tom Brady has scored with one of Hollywood's wild, wildest young stars, American Pie cutie Tara Reed. The hunky New England Patriot is so enamored of the willowy blonde he's moved her into his luxury Boston pad. Tom flew in Tara for a fun weekend and she never left, said a friend. I thought I thought we saw pictures after the Super Bowl of him with his fiance in Hawaii. Was that some other broad? Ah. Last spring, Tara publicly revealed her interest in Tom right after the Patriots won the Super Bowl and he was named MVP. In a magazine interview, she cried about her breakup with MTV's Carson Daly and revealed she'd asked her agent to set her up with Brady. Oh, you better deuce that thing out real good, honey, if Carson Daly's been in there. Before Tom gets too close. Are you kidding me? Carson Daly? Yeah. Oh, my God, let's cancel lunch for the whole world today. Uh, I know, it's nauseating. At first, Tom wasn't interested. He's known as a serious, clean-living guy, and he'd heard all the stories about Tara. Ha <laughs>
5: ha!
0: Serious, clean-living guy, right? What a sense of humor! But then he changed his mind. Decided it might be fun to meet her. He flew her to Boston to watch the Patriots play on Monday Night uh, Football on September nine. That's not the word he was thinking. Wait a minute! They played Monday Night. A Monday Night game? September nine? I guess that was preseason. No. Maybe that was the whooping they gave to the uh, Steelers. Was that a Monday night game? I don't remember. And Tara lived up to her reputation. She was seen coming out of a bathroom in the stadium wobbling all over the place. She blamed it on her shoes. Yes. Tom took her home. Kinda of like the, uh, the maid in La Caja Full. Remember? Right. Because it was fumbling yeah, it all over the shoes. What that was his name? Jacob. Jacob. Tom took her home and the next day he took her to lunch at an Italian restaurant, Il Panino. Then they went out to dinner a few nights later, another Italian restaurant, Ciro's. He also took Tara to a Red Sox game at Fenway Park, and they went to a Broad Street Club, The Place. They went to The Place. Tara was all over the bar and dance floor. She even climbed on a table to dance and had to be ordered off by security. Then she suddenly buried her head under Tom's shirt. Far from being embarrassed, he was loving it. Tom, 25- and 27-year-old Tara, were partying again after the Pats whipped the Jets on September 15. Yeah, I was right. That was the um, uh, uh, Steeler game. Yeah, I got it here. Well, what was the score in that game? Fifty-two to something. Yeah, that's it. See that? That's Carlos's. Uh, that's the only score he knows. It's fifty-two to something. You know that he's just that's his thing. You know. Cinquanta due. Anyway, they took a limo, a limo to the exchange where Tara dragged uh, Tom out of the dance floor. Uh, said one friend. At one point, they slipped away for some heavy-duty smooching in a back room. Now the couple are inseparable. The only time Tara left Tom's place was when his mom came in for the weekend. Although Tom introduced her to his mother, she moved into a motel while Mrs. Brady was in town. As soon as Mom left, Tom moved Tara right back into his pad and out of the Brady Bunch, I guess. A teammate added, Tom's crazy about her. And this picture of her, man, if this is what she looks like, he must just be crazy,
1: period. Did you not see uh, American Pie, either one, no. one of them? I no. See. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, American
0: Pie, the right. movie? Yeah, yes. but that's uh,
1: such a long time ago. So you don't remember the blonde? No. Okay.
0: The only person I remember from American Pie was, uh, what's Klein. his name?
1: Huh? Chris Klein.
0: Chris Klein, I remember him. Don't see him anymore. He kind of vanished in the woodwork. You see Josh, uh, what's his name all over the place? Josh uh, Friedman? <laughs> oh, Josh Hartnett? Yes. And have you ever noticed the tremendous striking similarity between Josh Friedman and Josh Hartnett? They both have two eyes and
1: <laughs> Portland.
0: I was going to say two legs, but in Josh Friedman's case, how could you tell, you know? 21 till noon at 560. So good luck to you, Tommy. Okay, you had a couple of rough games there, but we still love you, and you're making more money than God, and et cetera and so on. Everybody's writing about Tom Brady. He ain't no Jay Fiedler. See, there's some of us who, I mean, I was a Patriots fan. People don't believe that before. And by the way, Mo, since you're listening right now, this business is knocking Drew Bledsoe. You know, he's had a hell of a season for Buffalo so far, but the problem is that they have no defense. You know, I mean, granted, he threw a couple of balls to the guys on the other team, but the fact of the matter is he's thrown for like 350, 400 yards a game, and the Bills lose some of these games because they have no defense. In fact, that's probably why the Raiders scored 52 points the other day. Wasn't it, Carlos? Yep. I heard it was 152 to uh, 31. But, I mean, uh, they're knocking him. What the hell is is he supposed to play defense, too? Is that the deal, Mo? Uh You idiot, you silly old uh, coot. Oh no, let me forget about the, the year that he was born. And also, <laughs> don't forget those emails that you intercepted this morning. They were sent to me. George has got some hot emails for you. From the mofile. The uh, mofo. Oh look at that. W has moved into first place. I think we're getting some uh, phony votes on there now. But well, yeah, it's pretty close. Keep it close, okay? Keep it exciting. Let's have a uh, cliffhanger. 20 till noon at 560 WQAM. And if you want to lose some weight, there are a lot of things out there. All these phony pills. A lot of them are bad for you, too, by the way. have all kinds of crap in them. And then, of course, they're the, uh, there's the stuff you're supposed to drink, and you lose 20 pounds overnight while you're sleeping, that Hollywood diet, whatever they call it. If you really want to lose weight, the safe, delicious way, and I've tried them all, believe me, balance for life is almost unbeatable because the food is delicious. It's not as restrictive as some of the other diets out there, and it's based on the zone diet, which is very effective but highly complicated. They take all the complication out. As a matter of fact, this morning, I filled out my sheet. For when I'm coming back in a few days, I filled my sheet out for the, uh, the menu thing, which is all, those are the only choices you make. They give you two choices for each meal and for each snack. And in your little black sack they deliver you every day, there's the food. Delicious, fresh goodies, all kinds of, if I, what was that one, the Reuben wrap? That's my favorite. Mm. They could give me a Reuben wrap every day for one of the meals, and I'd be a happy camper. Three gourmet meals, two delicious snacks, a little bottled water in your black sack. That's all the food you need for the whole day. So you don't have to count calories. You don't have to count carbs. You don't have to do any shopping. And believe me, there's plenty of food in there to keep you satisfied and full all day long. And the weight will pour off your body, just like the Beast who lost 55 pounds. And we'll see on Friday how he's doing this week, okay? Enough of the cruising already, okay, Beast? Or I'm telling more about what you said this morning about Mo. Here's the F.O. number, Balance for Life, call them at 954-568-3229. Get started right away. The sooner you start, the sooner you're going to uh, lose that weight. 954-568-3229 or check out their website at balanceforlife.com.
2: My life and this is Sports
5: Radio 560,
7: You call that a penis? I had to explain to your parents your offense. I have downloaded things I masturbated
3: against. Seems all the time I'd have my eyes on the boobs and behind. Sick in the mind, but I used to do that all of the time. Every morning, noon, and night I'd hit a porno site. A fide, perverted sex psycho in my own right. There were places I found with lots of horny bear chicks So my desktop got those JPEGs, all 20 gigs Until one day my mother discovered this filthy porno lover Kicked me right in the behind, told me my mind's in the gutter And she told my dad about the stuff on my Dell My computer made me a loser and could land me in hell I'm sorry, mama I never thought that you could view All those naked girls and guys, so tonight cleaning out my hard drive one more time I'm sorry
0: mama I never thought that you could you all those naked girls and guys so tonight I'm cleaning out my hard drive squirt squirt 1145 at 560 WCM here's a, a cute fax from Chris who says last night my wife and I were invited to some friend's house for dinner They've been raving about this great barbecue sauce they've discovered. Well, they served up some barbecue chicken smothered with footy's tropical barbecue sauce fa- formulated by the infamous shock jock they stated. Footy is a shock jock? <laughs> yeah. to, sum up, to sum up this dining experience, I now know what eating George's ass must taste like, says Chris. Oh, and, and so close <laughs> to lunchtime, too, you know what? I don't even want to think about that, although I will say this, speaking of eating ass... That I understand. The reason the beast wanted off that morning show so bad is that on the days when Mo is there, the people who worked the show with him, they have to soak their tongue in formaldehyde for an hour after they leave the show. I don't want I don't want to say where their tongues have to be for those three hours in the morning between six and nine, but but I guess the beast the beast couldn't handle it anymore. Or maybe he just got a tongue lashing, maybe that's what it was. Maybe I got my signals mixed there, whatever. So what was that year again, nineteen twenty what? Chandra's Killer, The Shocking Confession. I think you owe an apology to a Gary Conduit, no. although maybe not. This is in the Inquirer, so otherwise we, I wouldn't even bother with it if we weren't in the Inquirer in something this serious, this earth-shaking. In a sensational new development in the Chandra Levy murder case, a brutal jailbird has confessed to a fellow inmate that he killed the Washington intern and was hired to do the job, according to authorities. It's that scumbag we've been talking about. The move has thrown a dramatic new spotlight on the entire investigation, including Congressman Gary Condit, the Inquirer, has learned. And it comes as investigators are examining a new crime scene clue that could turn out to be a key piece of evidence in the case. Police recently turned their attention to 21-year-old jailbird Ingmar Guandique, a Salvadoran day laborer who's serving time for violent knife attacks on two young women in Washington's Rock Creek Park, close to where Chandra's skeletal remains were found on May 22. One of the assaults was carried out just a half mile away. Investigators showed their strong interest in Guandique by interviewing his brother no fewer than four times recently. Detectives are also trying to locate items of Guandique's clothing that can be subjected to forensic testing. The explosive new murder-for-hire scenario is especially significant because insiders believe Condit had a strong motive for wanting Chandra out of the way. Like I said, we take back the apology. Some investigators believe that Chandra was the target of a hitman hired to stop her from possibly revealing what she knew about some powerful men in Washington, a top Washington police source told the Inquirer. After all, she was Condit's kind of mistress, and he had close ties to important intelligence information and the lifestyles of other politicians and lobbyists. This is all now being re-examined. The attacks that sent Guandique to jail on a 10-year sentence occurred on May 14th and July 1st, 2001, just weeks after Chandra's May 1st disappearance. In both cases, the knife-wielding thug... Terrorized young women jogging in lonely sections of Rock Creek Park. He grabbed the women, but they fought back and escaped. Assistant U.S. Attorney Christina Ament called him a predator who turned the park into a hunting ground, selecting victims and stalking them before launching his vicious attacks. If that's the case, th- wouldn't that not contribute to being a, a paid killer? Right. Anyway, it says, and Chandra's killer is someone who was fit enough to scout out the remote and hazardous area of Rock Creek Park where Chandra 24 was found, according to former D.C. homicide detective Ted Williams. The killer would have intimate knowledge of the uh, hidden and little-used parts of the park, said Williams. He had to know that even if things went wrong and there was a horrendous struggle, even screaming, no one would hear those sounds. The killer had to believe that he'd carry out the crime undetected, and he was proven right. The location was so remote that by the time the body was found, there was very little forensic evidence left. After Guandique was sent to prison, one of his cellmates confessed to detectives that the convicted attacker told him that he killed Sean and claimed he was hired to do it. The prisoner told detectives that Guandique boasted he stabbed Chandra to death in Rock Creek Park and that he had been hired for the killing, said the police source. But the information was disregarded because the cellmate failed a polygraph test and Guandique passed. Recently, however, with the case stalled, detectives decided to take another look at Guandique and his alleged confession, and they were stunned to find that both polygraphs were botched because both prisoners spake, uh, spoke Spanish spake. and the li- they they spoke they spoke spick. Spick. And the lie detector test was administered with an interpreter translating for them. Experts believe that only a bilingual polygraph examiner could get a true result. Better bring them to the state county, I guess. Using an interpreter is a big problem, retired New York police officer and nationally known polygraph expert William Houghton told the inquiry in relation to harness driver Billy Houghton, rest in peace. Questions and answers are distorted and the results are always inconclusive. In a polygraph exam, the person being tested must be convinced that there is no way he can lie without his body movements giving him away. That does not happen when you use an interpreter. But if Guandique is the killer, investigators don't believe he knew Chandra, had any clue as to why she had to die. It wasn't Guandique who lured her to the scene of her death. She left it at her apartment that day expecting to meet someone she knew and trusted and inside her be San. Chandra was there in the park because someone told her to be there. She was set up for a kill. A killer can be hired with layers built in so that, with layers built in rather, so the initiator of the hit is completely insulated. Detectives have been frustrated by Guandique's refusal to talk to them again. We'd like to interview him, but his lawyer's position is that he doesn't want to talk, a source close to the investigation told the Inquirer, They've clammed up. Adding weight to the new murder-for-hire theory, detectives have all but discarded one scenario in which the intern died at the hands of a serial killer. A serial killer is always inviting law enforcement to find him, always trying to outsmart the police, former D.C. Detective Williams, now leading attorney, told the Inquirer, The only way he can convince himself he's doing that is by successfully striking again. But there hasn't been a death like Chandra Levy's in Washington since he disappeared 16 months ago. D.C. Police Chief Charles Ramsey confirmed that Gondike is someone more interested Oh, a person of interest, someone we're interested in. All right. Not a suspect, you understand. Of course. Just someone we're someone interested in. Plus, he's an Islamer for all his other things. And he added, we have not excluded anyone, which obviously includes Condit. Condit, tenure in Congress ends in January, is under investigation by a grand jury for allegedly obstructing the investigation into Chandra's disappearance. According to published reports, he exercised his Fifth Amendment rights and did not testify when he was subpoenaed by the grand jury on April 12th. Meanwhile, an intriguing new crime scene clue has emerged four months after police searchers left, the inquirers learned, Private investigators working for Chandra's parents, Bob and Susan Levy, recently spent 12 hours on their hands and knees searching for missing bones that might provide a clue to the way she died. They were unsuccessful, but close to where Chandra's skull was found, they did uncover a single hard contact lens, which is now being examined by the FBI laboratories in Quantico, Virginia. Anyone who was ever at the scene has been asked if they lost a lens, and no one did, said the close source. And Chandra's parents have told us she never wore lenses. Finding that lens was like finding a needle in a haystack, and it could be really significant. Hopefully, teardrop material will be uh, still on the lens to provide a DNA match, plus the prescription will narrow down the identity of the murderer. How do you like that, huh? They were down there on their hands and knees for 12 or 13 hours. I bet you Kathy Willis was jealous. Oh, and speaking of that, what a good segue. Thank you. Excellent. From Salon Premium Exclusive. Well, i tell you one thing. For a buck and a half a day, it's well worth it. You know that Salon Premium thing? I put it on uh, the station's credit card. (laughs) You should be laughing. The station don't have no credit card. No, that's why I'm laughing. Panic in the Sheets by Damien Cave. This is a very long piece, and I won't bore you with all of it, but it's certainly worth uh, knowing about. Abstinence crusaders are exploiting fears of a mysterious virus to scare teens away from having sex. No condoms! Just when in doubt, scare them out. Scare the crap out. Dr. Patricia Sulak, wearing a wireless microphone in a plain dark suit, strides across an auditorium stage in Copperas Cove, Texas. Or is that Copperass? Copperass. And describes in graphic detail the contagious oozing and occasionally deadly viruses that are the consequences of adolescent sex. Oozing. The hour-long lecture given this day to a rapt audience of 800 local school district employees covers everything from pregnancy to AIDS, but one topic in particular seems to grab the doctor's attention, human papillomavirus, or HPV. Did you know that's what that stood for, papillomavirus? No. I thought papilloma was that Italian restaurant Tom Brady took,
1: what's her name to? I thought it was that town in Spain where they run away from the bulls. It is. In the first ten minutes
0: of her lecture, she mentions the sexually transmitted uh, disease three times and HIV only once. She shows graphic pictures of people with HPV infections, but no photographs of anyone with AIDS. And when she speaks at length about HPV in a slight Ross Perot drawl that cements the impression that she's a straight shooter, Sulak seems to revel in the virus's frequency and effects. How many people know that human papillomavirus is the most common sexually transmitted disease that it causes cervical cancer, she asks. Then she offers a handful of factoids. 50% of sexually active women have been infected. In one study, 90% of sexually active adolescents were infected with HPV. Even if a small percentage develops uh, problems, so many people are infected that we have a huge health problem in this country, she'd be saying. Even more frightening, Sulak says, is the fact that HPV can't be prevented through safe sex because it thrives on the skin in the genital area. HPV can be passed on even if condoms are worn. The only way to keep the public safe from this dangerous virus, Sulak argued, is through long-term monogamy. And there in the name of pubic safety is Sulak's agenda. Uh, Along with being a doctor and a professor of medicine at Texas A&M University, Sulak is also the founder of Worth the Wait, a popular abstinence education program that seeks to educate adolescents and adults on the consequence of teen sexual activity. Thus, for Sulak, HPV is worth emphasizing not just because it's dangerous, but also because it seems to puncture the myth that condoms can keep you safe. That's the key idea that Sulak hammers home and the one that hundreds of abstinence education programs now preach with zeal. Indeed, while HPV was largely unheard of only a decade ago, it's now the social conservative's STD du jour, a part of a and of nearly every abstinence curriculum, lecture, and website. The number one weapon we have, says Leslie Unruh, founder of the Abstinence Clearinghouse, a network of abstinence educators. In fact, the jury is still out on the actual health threat posed by HPV and the efficacy of condoms to prevent it. Medical research is inconclusive. But in the absolute-minded black-and-white world of the sex-fearing conservative right, uncertainties are an easily avoided hurdle. Abstinence-only advocates are using nothing less than the threat of death to prevent young people from engaging in sex with or without a condom. For people like Unruh, who calls HPV the silent killer, and President Bush, who plans to increase abstinence-only education funding by $50 million, agenda trump scientific complexity. The scare tactic with its potential for reducing condom use and a concomitant increased risk of HIV and unwanted pregnancies is their chosen strategy regardless of public health implications. And it goes on pages and pages and pages on SalonPremium.com.
2: My and local, this is Sports
9: Radio 560, U.A.Q.A.F.
2: It's the
6: 12 to 1 hour, Oy Vang.
9: Hey there, Coconut Heads, it's me, Janet Boobs a granite renal, and I am hot, man. I am P.O.'d, just plain old hacked off. What in the name of Sam Hill happened is what I want to know. First they had trouble with dangling chads, now they got these touchscreen jobbies that don't work worth a crap. I think they got them from Jet Blue. There's some of them old ones they used to play electronic poker on. I mean, heavens to Betsy, this is voting, it's serious. I know that after the recount, I will be the victor. Actually, let me clarify, I will still be Janet, but I'll also be victor. Capiche? I got half a mind to get my red Toyota 4x4 pickup and head down to Havana. I'll load up some locals and put this thing over the top. The biggest problems were indeed in Broward counties, two of my strongest areas. I mean, I personally slept with over 4,000 men and women in those aforementioned areas, which should have secured me certain victory. But instead, I got to put a hold ski on my nude victory party. Ah, hammers and nails, I'm freaking. Not to mention in the middle of this whole mess of crap, one of my beans went bad on me. I'll bet you dollars to donuts that little bastard Ilian Gonzalez had something to do with this. Either that or that Dan Marino. I never bought into that whole isotoner glove dealy, bab. You ain't heard the last from Janet boobs at Granite Reno, Florida.
0: And thank goodness for that. Twelve oh one at five sixty WQM. Our big noon to one hour. The Mad Dog Jim lead leading hour. James P. Pinkerton, who writes a column for Newsday in New York, writes, The Bush Doctrine leaps into history, wage first strike war to achieve peace. The consequences could be enormous, he says. Most television networks chose not to cover President Bush's speech yesterday. There'd be no real news, they were told. Indeed, the White House wanted to low-key the talk, perhaps to avoid accusations that it was wagging the dog in regard to the midterm elections. And so the networks were eager to carry on with their commercial programming. But long after King of Queens and Fear Factor are forgotten, People will remember 2002 as the year that Bush propounded a new doctrine for the world, one likely to define the next century. To be sure, much of Bush's speech was devoted to the question of why now for Saddam Hussein. As the president said, by its past and present actions, by its technological capabilities, by the merciless nature of its regime, Iraq is unique. But he also said, for the sake of peace, we will lead a coalition to disarm him. We cannot wait for the final proof. First strike war to achieve peace, that's a new doctrine for America. That's the Bush Doctrine. It's likely to be remembered right up there with other doctrines that received relatively little notice when first propounded, but that proved to be vastly consequential in the fullness of time. For example, the Monroe Doctrine wasn't even enunciated in the speech, and the word doctrine wasn't used at all. It was first expressed in the written message to Congress, December 2nd, 1823. President James Monroe, Ah! I'm getting choked up about it. (laughs) president james monroe noting the anti-spanish revolutions throughout south america and worrying about future interventions declared that it was impossible for european powers to extend their political system to any portion of either continent without endangering our peace and happiness at the time the world cared little about what the u.s had to say but over the next century as american power burgeoned the monroe doctrine became uncle sam's rationale for dozens of military interventions in latin america similarly the truman doctrine had modest beginnings it was simply a speech that President Harry Truman gave the Congress March 12, 1947, in which he said the U.S. must help Greece and Turkey resist communist encroachment. At the end, he added, I believe it must be the policy of the U.S. to support free peoples who are resisting attempted subjugation by armed minorities or by outside pressures. Truman hadn't reached this conclusion right away. For nearly two years after WW2, his administration had seesawed on the role of the U.S. in the world, but the Truman Doctrine of aiding anti-communist regimes was followed up three months later by the Marshall Plan for aiding in the reconstruction of Europe. Those initiatives were the beginnings of the Cold War punctuated by hot wars in Korea and Vietnam, in addition to bidding wars for the loyalties of so-called non-aligned countries. And so it is with Bush. It's only gradually becoming obvious that he has a grand plan for the world. After the 9-11 attacks, he mostly focused on Osama bin Laden and Mullah Mohammed Omar, and in military operations that commenced a year and a day ago, the U.S. routed the Taliban from Afghanistan. But beginning with his 2002 State of the Union address, Bush escalated. He unleashed the phrase, axis of evil, referring not to al-Qaeda or the Taliban, but to Iraq, Iran, and North Korea. Then came his speech at West Point in June, in which he called for preemptive action <clears throat> against potential enemies. The world is paying attention. The stock market goes down when Bush talks about war or anything else, even as oil prices rise. The Russians have been making noises that they wish to apply the doctrine to neighboring Georgia and speculation abounds bonds that others, China, India, and Israel, will use the Bush president to settle their own scores. And that's the point. Any action generates a reaction not always foreseen. Indeed, one of the cornerstones of world security limits on the number of nuclear weapons could soon fall victim to the feeling among third world nationalists that only weapons of mass destruction offer safety from the Pentagon. Luis Inacio Lula de Silva. What is it? Don't you don't know him? Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, oh, yeah, almost early, the next president of Brazil, Suggested to a Rio de Janeiro audience on September 13th that countries such as Brazil have been foolish to abide by the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. Lula, of course, is a leftist critic of the U.S. and its economic system, but if the U.S. has its non-negotiable doctrines, other countries will have theirs as well. It may be that the Bush administration is foreseeing the danger of a world in which other countries feel emboldened to attack enemies and build up their arsenals. It may also be that Bush is intoxicated with the thought of a doctrine in his name. Either way, Future historians will be studying his words closely, recognizing that something huge began in 2002. (coughs) (coughs) Writes James Pinkerton, Newsday. Something big began in 2002. Do you think it was like the Mo Howard show he was talking
1: about? That started in 2002? I think so. March? Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. Too big for the beast, though.
0: Beast can't be on that show, and when Mo isn't there and Beast is doing the updates, that's all I can do. Zip the lip, baby. No editorial comments. No sitting there and mouthing off, okay, with Gelly in between. Just do the updates and zip your lip if you know what's good for you. Okay, fatso? Just waddle down the hall, get the stuff off the newswire, and just uh, stick to that crap. Just stick to your hukun crap. Abuse commission recommends creation of registry listing removed priests. This is in the Boston Globe. Judge Rule Shanley and Paquin Psychiatric Records should be released.
2: All right.
0: A registry listing the names of priests removed from their ministries after credible allegations of sexual abuse is among a series of recommendations made to Cardinal Bernard Law yesterday, and he's still there. It's just shocking. In the final report from a commission set up to protect children from sexual predators. In its 52-page report, the Commission for the Protection of Children reiterated many recommendations it made in earlier draft reports, including the immediate removal from duty of clergy and staff after receiving a credible allegation of sexual abuse, immediate removal. Law, who met privately with commission before the final report was made public, said in a statement that he'll review the recommendations with canon lawyers and to archdiocesan councils. He said he hopes to put the recommendations in place as policy by December 1. Its comprehensive nature makes it of great value in the ongoing work of formulating the revised policy of the Archdiocese Law, said. Commission Chairwoman Maureen Bateman said the report calls for substantial policy and structural changes to promote the prevention of child abuse. We have only one agenda, and that's to heal the victims and prevent any other victims from occurring, Bateman said. See if there's anything new in here. Now it's recommendations about doing this. and Mandatory reporting to civil authorities for all clergy, ch- uh, church staff, and volunteers within 24 hours of receiving a report of a credible allegation that a child has been abused. Full cooperation with civil investigating authorities and no independent interviewing of juvenile victims by church personnel. Immediate removal from uh, duty for clergy and staff after receiving credible allegations with no return to ministry or work for anyone who engages in sexual activity with a minor. And it goes on and on and on. In other developments yesterday, Suffolk Superior Court Judge Constance Sweeney, no relation to Boston Bruins' the defenseman Don Sweeney, ruled that the psychiatric records of two priests, Paul Shanley and Ronald Paquin, should be released. Sweeney said the confidentiality of the records are not protected under state law. Both Shanley and Paquin had opposed the release of the records. Too bad you guys lose, okay? Losers, back into the cell. Sniper's still on the loose, by the way. Are you ready for that? No, I know. Are you, are you surprised? No. Sniper is still on the loose. Iran denies airspace for Iraq attack. Iran will not allow the U.S. to use its airspace to attack Iraq, and its armed forces will defend the country's territory, the foreign ministry said yesterday. We hope such an error will not be committed by anybody. Ministry spokesman Hamid Reza Sefei said, it's clear our armed forces are prepared to defend the country's territorial integrity and its airspace and land. The Islamic Republic will not accept such acts in any way, in any way, shape, or form. He said Iran was not a friend of Iraq, but will not take part in any military operation to topple Iraqi President Saddam Hussein. Iraq's neighbors fear a U.S.-Iraq war would destabilize the region, and Iran fears U.S. influence in the region would increase if Washington succeeds in ousting Saddam. Iran, as we all know, fought a 1980-88 war with neighboring Iraq, and the two sides still view each other with suspicion. Iran has suffered a lot from Iraq, and at the same time, it doesn't forget America's hostilities. Iran will not participate in any attack on a Muslim neighboring country. It doesn't accept use of force in international relations, they be saying. Iran has intensified its diplomatic efforts to help avert a possible U.S. military attack to Kabul, Saddam, but has said it would stay away from the confrontation. Assefi said British Foreign Secretary Jack Straw will pay a two-day visit to Iran beginning tomorrow to discuss heightened tension in the region. Assefi said Iran was not aware if Straw would carry any message from the U.S. for Iran. Earlier this, maybe he'll bring some spotted dick and toad in the hole. Earlier this month, Iran hosted officials from its arch foes, Iraqi Foreign Minister Naji Sabri and Kuwait's Defense Minister Sheikh Jaber Mubarak Al Sabah, with Sabri seeking Iranian friendship and Al Sabah seeking Iranian support to punish Saddam. Iran has repeatedly said it opposes a possible U.S. attack on Iraq, but said it would support any lead action against Baghdad if inspectors confirmed that the Iraqi regime was still developing weapons of mass destruction. So you know what they basically said? Bada beep, bada boop, like that. Bada bing. Here's our poll question today. Who do you think represents the greatest threat in the world today? 443 votes, many of them suspect at best. George W. Bush, 125. Born-again Christians, 119. Mo Howard, David is moving up the ladder, baby, 62. Beast must have voted multiple times on this. Al-Qaeda, 49. Iraq, 44. Saudi Arabia, 22. Iran, 12. And Israel's only got 10. Like I said, they got 14 yesterday. They only got 10 so far today. But they still got some time. It's still uh, Tuesday over there. They do a lot of nighttime activity, too. Is that what it is? Yeah. Ten minutes past noon at 560 WQAM. Does this sound like you? Overworked?
5: Uh-huh. Underpaid? Uh-huh.
0: Stuck at a dead-end job and underappreciated? Yes. Then do yourself a humongous favor. Quit being a sucker, okay? Pick up the phone and call the people at Fast Train and get you an education and a real job and a real paycheck. Call toll-free 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. like we keep telling you, the demand for certified computer professionals has never been greater than it is right this moment. And Fast Train can help you achieve that new career in as little as four months. Fast Train is South Florida's largest certified Microsoft Training Center. And they've got four South Florida locations for you. They're all over the place. They're in Pembroke Pines, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and now the brand new one in Kendall. Fast Train's got convenient day-evening and weekend classes for you, too. Fast Train has got a full-time job placement department with over 30 years experience. So if you're overworked, underpaid, underappreciated, stuck at a dead-end job, working for a real major asshole, a real liar, then don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and call Fast Train at 866 Fast Train. Think about it. In just four short months, you'll be on your way to becoming a high-paid computer professional in a career with great earning potential. Take my advice. Pick that thing up right now. Rub it a little bit and call Fast Train at 866 Fast Train. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Or check them out on the web, of course, at www.fasttrain.com.
5: Live and local.
2: This this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. That wasn't nice. When you're into a
7: romantic mood with your guy, and he wants to tap that alternate input, are you put off? Do you find the thought of that kind of thing just too uncomfortable to even consider? Well, now there's a solution to that dilemma. Famous Anus Expansion Cream. Just put a dab of Famous Anus around your pucker, and in just a few minutes, your third input will expand a full four inches, making anal a breeze. So, don't disappoint him. Get it to the famous anus. You'll bet your ass you'll love it.
0: Twelve fourteen at 560, WQM. She did say pucker, didn't she? I sure hope so. Yes. 453 votes in that pool, and George W. is a, uh, just a tremendous, a titanic struggle there. George W. 129, and uh, Born Again Christians 121. And Moe is uh, still hitting their third place, 64. He's hanging on it. This story that you just texted me is enough to make me get on my hands and knees and puke out everything I ate today. Of course, I didn't, I didn't eat not eat the day yet. This is uh, nauseating. Ten-year sentence in medical pot case. This is from the Sacramento Bee. Brian James Epis, and we're not making it up. This is the Epis. The first person associated with a California medical marijuana dispensary to be uh, uh, tried in federal court for growing pot was sentenced yesterday in Sacramento to a mandatory ten years in prison. For growing pot. Right. Legally. Epis 35 insists the crop in his... Chico House was only for himself and for other seriously ill people whose physicians had recommended the drug in conformance with California's 1996 Compassionate Use Act, but he ran head-on into a federal law that makes no allowance for medical necessity. The case has become a rallying point for medical marijuana proponents nationwide, who view it as the ultimate injustice to come from the chasm separating state and federal law. More particularly, these advocates contend Epis is a victim of Sacramento federal prosecutors willing to pursue such a case in contrast to their counterparts in other districts. Epis himself told U.S. District Judge Frank C. Damrell, Jr. that he made a mistake in not growing the marijuana in the San Francisco-based Northern District, California, where he would not have been charged, he said. Meanwhile, a handful of Epis supporters gathered outside the courthouse waving signs in the midday heat. Americans for Safe Access spokeswoman Amanda Whitmore said the number was small because of confrontations between demonstrators and government officials during Epis' trial and their fallout. I know there were people who hadn't been messed with for ten or twenty years until they came out here and protested during the trial. Whitmore said they've been harassed ever since, but it's never going to change if we all stay at home. Some supporters held up placards comparing the government's treatment of medical marijuana users to its treatment of terrorists. Others wore a uh, uh, what is that? Huh? A pl- something of plastic pot. I guess uh, I don't know what that is. A plastic. It's a misprint. Plastic pot leaves, like uh, buttons, you know, I things. Think. Inside, Damrell noticed that it is not within his power to resolve the conflict between the federal zero-tolerance policy and laws in nine states allowing medical use. It's up to the Congress or the U.S. Supreme Court to deal with the disparity, he said. Damrell listed, listened attentively for two and a half hours to arguments by defense lawyer J. Tony Serra and U.S. Attorney Samuel Wong, peppering them both with tough questions.
1: Lays. The word is lays, like the Hawaiians. Uh, where is it? L.A.S. Uh, lays. What's, where is that? lays of oh, plastic no, but,
0: no but, uh, but see it looks like L E L this is a copy of what you got i understand it's a bad so it looks like L E L they wore lays of plastic pot leaves okay now we got to thank you i'm thinking what is L E L S wells they wore wells on their lapels uh Sarah a famous san francisco attorney known for his passionate prose and an expressive body language didn't disappoint ultimately however he failed to persuade damrell to sentence at below the minimum 10 years Wong specializes in marijuana prosecutions. Well, shouldn't he be proud? His cool demeanor is the antithesis of Sarah's. At Wong's urging, the federal judge found that Epps was a manager or supervisor of a criminal enterprise. However, Damrell rejected the prosecutor's position that Epis lied to the jury and is guilty of obstructing justice. He gave his interpretation of events. To the judge recalled the jury didn't believe him, but that doesn't mean he obstructed justice. He's a crook. Were Wong's final words before Damrell and pro How do you like that? He's a crook. Yeah. Sarah retorted, Wong has to justify this for his own conscience, so he's just being a cynic and saying that it was a money operation and it never was. If Epis qualifies for the maximum amount of good time, 54 days a year, he will serve approximately 85% of the sentence, which it sounds like to me that's eight and a half years. Yes. Eight and a half years. He has an electrical engineering and law degrees, no prior criminal record. He said he started using marijuana to manage chronic pain from a car accident. The jury found him guilty of conspiring to grow at least a 1,000 marijuana plants in his Chico home and actually growing at least 100 plants in 1997. Proposition 215, California's medical marijuana initiative, was approved by the voters the previous year in testimony at trial and again Monday before Epis insisted there was no conspiracy that he and four other people with doctors' recommendations were growing the pot for their individual use. Whatever was left over was given to Chico's Cannabis Club. Epis helped establish for distribution to its patients, he said. Wong's theory that he was driven by an image of huge profits is so outlandish, he said yesterday. Sarah told the judge the jury showed not a whit of compassion for a good human being who was alleviating his own chronic pain and trying to help others. The attorney also said the judge didn't give us a defense when he instructed the jury not to consider medical necessity evidence. Damrell pointed out that he was simply following the dictates of the federal law. He's no different than any other drug trafficker. This court has been seen and sent to jail, Wong said, of Epis. But Sarah predicted history will ultimately vindicate Brian Epis. He's a martyr to the war between the feds and medicine for the sick and dying. Eight and a half years in jail minimum, he's going to serve. For growing pot plants for medicinal uh, purposes. I want to cry. It's, uh, Zine America, baby, it's all I can tell you. While the rest of the free world is either decriminalizing or legalizing or both, or very seriously talking about it, America continues with this insane, this maniacal war on drugs. This war against, uh, th- that forces people to be in pain. Crazy people. That's what you're dealing with. Website fights copyrights and royalties. I bet you Mickey's gonna be really uh, psychotic when he hears about this. Eisner? There- Mickey Mouse's day, and get that blue that bluebird crap off your shoulder, too. (laughs) Mickey Mouse's days at Disney could be numbered and paying royalties for warbling George Gershwin tunes could become a thing of the past if the U.S. Supreme Court sides with an Internet publisher in a landmark copyright case this week. The court will hear the case tomorrow that could plunge the earliest images of Disney's mascot and other closely held creative property into the public domain as early as next year. If upheld a precedent-setting challenge could cost movie studios and heirs of authors and composers millions of dollars in revenue as previously protected material becomes available free of charge. An issue was a 1998 law that extended copyright protection an additional 20 years for cultural works, thereby protecting movies, plays, books, and music for a total of 70 years after the author's death or for 95 years from publication for works created by or for corporations. The law was almost immediately challenged by Stanford University law pro- professor Lawrence Lessig on behalf of Eric Eldred, who has been posting work by Nathaniel Hawthorne, Henry James, and others on his website. The plaintiffs lost their case to trial and on an appeal, but stunned many observers by persuading the Supreme Court to hear the case. Nobody has ever attacked the extension of copyright before, said Lionel Sobel, editor of the Entertainment Law Review. He said the Internet has pumped up the demand for images that are now protected. Now we have thousands of people who want to create a website and would like to have ready access to a whole library of material, Sobel said. The Copyright Term Extension Act of 1998 was sponsored by the late representative Sonny Bono and quickly became known as the Mickey Mouse Extension Act, because of aggressive lobbying by Disney, whose earliest representation of its squeaky voiced mascot were set to pass into the public domain in 2003. The impact of the law extends far beyond corporations, small music publishers, orchestras, even church choirs that can't afford to pay high royalties to perform some pieces and they suffer by having to wait an additional 20 years for copyrights to expire. Compositions such as Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which would have passed into the public domain in 1998, are not protected until at least 2018. Books by Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald were also due to become pubic property. Lessig claims Congress acted unconstitutionally by extending copyright protection 11 times over the contend the Constitution grants Congress the right to grant copyright protection for a limited time and that the Founding Fathers intended for copyrights to expire so works could enter the public domain and spark new creative efforts to update them. Yeah, like Mickey Mouse with uh, a different haircut. Right? Mickey Mouse with spiked hair would be Oh, good. that would be nice. The plaintiffs also claim that by extending copyright protection retroactively, Congress has, in effect, made copyright perpetual, largely in response to corporate pressure. The government and groups representing movie studios and record labels argue that the Constitution gives Congress, not the courts, the job of balancing the needs of copyright holders in the public, especially in the face of new technology. Backers of the extension also argue that the Internet and digital reproduction of movies and music threaten the economic viability of creating those works, thus requiring greater protection. This is essentially a dispute about policy dressed up as a constitutional question, the Walt Disney Company said in a statement. Eldred is simply trying to second guess what Congress has already decided, and we believe the Supreme Court should reject their attempt, said the Disney people. God damn it! Disney's come under special criticism because the company reaped a fortune making films from such public domain fairy tale characters as Snow White and Cinderella, but is fighting to prevent others from doing the same with characters like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. Legal experts said it would be unlikely that Disney and other companies would suffer immediate harm if copyrights expire on their movies and characters. Mickey Mouse, for example, is not only a character, but a corporate trademark, which never expire as long as they're in use. Only the copyright on the Mickey portrayed in Disney's earliest films, such as 1928, Steamboat Willie, would expire (laughs) in the next... Would expire in the next few years. The more rounded modern mouse family, familiar today, is a later creation and would remain protected for several more years. Well, who the hell wants to see the silly old skinny mouse from Steamboat Willie? Have you ever seen that thing? Of course, many times. My God, it looks like Karen Carpenter on the uh, two on uh, acid. Let's see it.
1: <laughs> oh, Steamboat Willie, the movie.
0: Uh, that's that's what got to me was that Steamboat Willie. I'm just going to have to play that bit, I guess. You know, I can't control myself. Oh, let's see. We got Miss Universe sex scandal with uh, President Puntang. We got that coming up. And I guess we got time for this before the break. Minnie Me bounces back after his booze nightmare. You know where he used to get most of his booze? No. In the hotels, in the mini bars. Ooh. Mm. Anyway, Minnie Me actor Vern Troyer is back in a big way in his favorite role as ladies' man after a near fatal case of alcohol poisoning. The pint-sized star has bounced back as a pitchman for the world's smallest remote-controlled cars, and MTV's sexy Daisy Fuentes was there for the big occasion. It shows him here. This is, what is this? It's one of these uh, tabloids. And he's got a, uh, he's holding it in his hand in the uh, little uh, remote-controlled car, too. God, that car is like, it's like the size of your thumb. Right. The gutsy little guy nearly drank himself to death over troubles with his model girlfriend, jean Genevieve Gallon, as the Inquirer revealed exclusively in our October 1st issue. So I guess we know it's in the Inquirer. He was hospitalized for days with complications to his heart and liver caused by overdosing on booze. Now, excuse me, but he had a romance with, like, a real living and breathing woman?
1: He's a celebrity, you know. I see.
0: But it's hard to keep the feisty 2-foot-8 Austin Power star down, and just weeks after his collapse, Tiny tour posed with Radio Shack's miniature Zip Zaps at the former launch in L.A., which the picture is right here. Daisy obviously thinks it's a great idea. MTV's sexy Daisy Fuente. She wants to rub his bald spot. Isn't that cute? He ain't no Timmy, I'll tell you that. There was only one Timmy. And that Dan Connie on there with that uh, all the crap on her puss, she ain't no Timmy either. You're not watching that show yet? No. You better get with it, mister, before time runs out. And the way this administration is going, man, it might run out sooner than we think. The way these born-again Christians are going. They want to drag us into Armageddon. Come on, everybody, hop on board. The train's leaving right now. Could be a bumpy ride across the Atlantic, but nevertheless, we'll give it our best shot. 471 votes. George W. the most dangerous, uh, the greatest threat to the world today. George W. 136. Born again Christians 124. Mohawer David 69. Interesting number, which is also his age. Now I don't know what to say. Well, we don't know what his age is. I would say about 64,
1: wouldn't you? Yeah, that sounds about right, mid sixty.
0: Al Qaeda 52, Iraq 45, Saudi Arabia 22, Iran 12, and Israel 11. I got somebody working very hard on an age thing. I'm checking that out. From some people we know, some contacts we have in New York, the Pinkertons. 26 past noon at 560 WQAM. Tom Lehman loves this show. He loves me. He loves you people who listen to the show, and that's why, once again, he's brought back the Neil Deal at Hallett Pontiac GMC. Save gigantic dollars in all Pontiacs and GMCs in stock always, but just mention you heard this commercial on the Neil Rogers Show, and you'll save even more than usual. That's right. Every vehicle is marked with what is supposed to be the lowest price right there on the windshield, but mention the Neil Rogers Deal and save even more. Check out the complete line of GMC SUVs, including that uh, snazzy Envoy voted by Motor Trend as SUV of the Year. And check out the all-new Vibe SUV that's got the power of a sensational sports car. And, of course, Hamlet's always got a great dependable selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. You can buy a car almost any place. But you're going to enjoy shopping at Hallett because there's no high pressure. They treat you right. And that's why been, they've been in the same great location there for 35 years plus. That's 1341 South US 1, right across from the falls. And if anybody else turns you down for credit when you try to buy a vehicle, no problem because Hallett is here. They'll cut you a deal. So we'll get you a great unbeatable Neil Rogers deal right now at Hallett Pontiac GMC, right across from the falls on US 1, open every day, seven days a week. Hallett Pontiac GMC, who do say we are professional grade. <laughs>
4: Don't do my job as well when I'm constipated. Eisner? Mr. Mouse?
8: What the hell are you doing to me? Uh, What do you mean, sir? Why am I reading in the paper you're going to put a Disney theme park in Brooklyn? Well, sir, we're just scouting locations. Jesus! I'm scouting CEOs! You are killing me! But, 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 sir, look what we've done with New York City, Times Square, 42nd Street. Hang on! Remus! Remus! Turn off the vacuum cleaner, Remus! Get that bluebird out of here! Okay, boss. (laughs) Eisner. But, sir, look what we've done with Midtown Manhattan. 42nd Street is incredible. Oh, you know what? Publicly, I supported that, but you took all the porn away. You're killing me! I'm going through Gaviscon like Pez! We're just scouting
2: areas. Calm down. Listen
8: to me, Buck Munch. Don't tell me to calm down. We got lucky with Lilo and Stitch, $128 million. Now you're trying to ruin the whole network. What kind of programming are you running? Hang on a
5: minute.
8: Remus, you've got bluebird crap all over your shoulder. Clean yourself up, for heaven's sake. And turn off the vacuum cleaner! Good God!
2: Sir, the network is fine. Why
8: couldn't you come up with American Idol? Good God, you're still running James Bond movies! They're 60 years old! Why don't you just put Steamboat Willie on and be done with it? At least then I'd make a couple of damn dollars! Well, the, the movie division's fine. You mentioned Lilo and Stitch, and now we have the new M. Night Shyamalan movie coming out later this oh, summer. I know. signs. What the hell does that mean? Stop sign, yield sign? you got to start swinging some of these titles past me. Uh, please. please. Remus. Remus. Can't hear you, Bob. I know you can't hear me, Remus. You're still running on the market! completely. Get out of here, Remus, and take that bluebird with you! All right. Hi, sir. Yes, sir? I'd be very careful the next time I started my car if I were you. What what, what do you mean, sir? I'm about done with you. What? About done. sir? I'll put Hannah Storm in your job. But, sir, I'm... You're uh, terrible! I'm sorry. Maybe I'll put Remus in there! Would you like to be president of Disney, Remus? Uh, oh my! What a wonderful day! Get out
4: of here, you nutbag! 12.33 at five
0: sixty. I could hear that like fifteen times a day, and I would never stop. Uh, it would never stop tickling oh, my, my fancy. You know, just something about that Uncle Remus and that Bluebird. What a wonderful day! Miss Universe sex scandal. Yet, Russian beauty had a red-hot fling with prez. Sources claim says the star. A torrid affair with Russia's president, Vladimir Puntang, may have helped Osana Fedorova win the Miss Universe pageant, but it ultimately caused her to lose her crown under a cloud of speculation, sources are telling the star. When the Russian Beauty, 23, was sacked September 24th and replaced by runner-up Justine Pasek of Panama, 23, it touched off a firestorm of rumors. Some said Fedorova was let go because she was pregnant and secretly married to her Russian boyfriend, Vladimir Gulabov, both events which would disqualify her from the title. Others hinted at reports that she put on 15 pounds, while still another claimed that Fedorova was hiding a dark secret, a steamy fling with the very married President Vladimir Puntang, who is from her hometown of St. Petersburg. That's Russia, not Florida, you idiots. Not many people know what the source claims, but Fedorova was being kept as a mistress by Puntang. He had a secret apartment in Moscow, and the two of them spent many passionate evenings there, says the source. Russian critics said that the Puntang pressured judges to name Federova the winner of the Miss Russia pageant, ensuring her entry into the Miss Universe pageant. Oksana denied all the rumors, but five months after she won all that bad publicity, tarnishing the Miss Universe title, and Federova's refusal to do the job led to her dismissal. We bent over backward to please Oksana as a pageant uh, president, Paula Shugart, but in the end, we had to give her an ultimatum to live up to responsibilities. Donald Trump, who owns the Miss Universe pageant, told Star, it's too bad it didn't work out with Santa. She's a very beautiful woman, but Justine is doing a great job, and she's just as beautiful. She's fantastic. And I'd love to bury my head between those teats. It's not as if pretty police officer Federalist office obligations weren't spelled out beforehand. When Oksana won the crown, it was clear she'd have to travel to become a Goodwill ambassador, Shugart said. She mentioned that she needed to finish her studies, and we set aside all of October for her to complete her graduate law degree in Russia. But when the stunning cop didn't live up to her end of the bargain, things got ugly. Oksana's first official order of business was a trip to Africa in June to help her understand the devastation of AIDS in African countries. Instead of going alone, she insisted on taking her boyfriend's niece along. From there, they joined her beau in Greece, where the three of them continued on to Paris. Suddenly, the beauty queen announced she wanted to return to Russia with her boyfriend who runs a Moscow business empire. We tried to be sensitive to Oksana, so I let her go for five or six days, says Shugart, who set up a return ticket to New York where the beauty was scheduled to make appearances. But when the plane arrived, Oksana was not, and she was still in Russia. We tracked her down, and she said she wasn't coming because her mom was sick, and she had to tend to her, Shugart reveals. But the worst was yet to come. During an appearance in Canada, the pageant primadonna's cell phone rang, and she had audacity to answer it from the podium, eh? It was her boyfriend, says the insider. She put everybody on hold and talked with him. It was outrageous behavior. Adding insult to injury, when Oksana returned from Canada, she was sporting a $40,000 diamond-encrusted ring from one of her admirers. Pageant officials finally had had enough. I gave her three options. Start living up to her obligations as Miss Universe. Step down and resign gracefully. Or we were going to terminate her, says Shugart. After not hearing from Oksana for three days, I sent her a letter informing that she was fired. You're fired. And if you don't believe me, ask Mo. You're all fired. Cause one thing we know, if you work for Mo, sooner or later, you're gonna be fired. Am I right about that? You bet. It's a rhetorical question. I certainly don't expect a response from yous. Who's? Here's the, uh, poll. Who do you think represents the greatest threat to the world today? 400 and, what is it? 487? Some bogus ones in there. George W. Bush, 141. Born-again Christians, 128. Mo Howard David, 71. Like I said, the number of votes he gets is equivalent to his age, isn't it? Al-Qaeda 54, Iraq 47, Saudi Arabia 22, Israel 12, and Iran also a dirty dozen on a poll so far. 22 till 1 at 560 WQM. We got the Marvelous Mad Dog coming up at 1 o'clock from Shula State 2. Hank with a full 4 hours today. Nice going, baby. From 3 to 7, including Patrick Sertain. Are we Certain to that between 5 and 6? Because they make so many changes in these schedules. And then, like it or not, we got the Crow. Oh, thank God for them playoff games, you know, to extend the Crow's stay at QAM. <laughs> Talking hardball with the Crow, who don't seem to never go away. The Crow. He knows Mo and say it ain't so. 7 to 8, 15. 8, 15, you got the ALCS game, number one. Angels and the uh, Twins. The expansion, uh, whatever the hell they were, the, uh, what they call it? Contraction Twins. Eddie K after the baseball game. And the overnight guys doing Mark 2 the 6. We don't want to... Their, uh, sully their image. What's that word, sully? Sully. i want to sully their image by calling them the dirty boys. I think it was Mo started that term. Hey, I'll tell you where you'll find a dirty boy, and that's a Pizza Lock. That's right, Jeff Cohen is over there. Now, I'd like to know, is he hanging out at a new place for a while, I would assume? I'm sure. Kind of running everything and making sure things are going right? And as a matter of fact, he really let us down. You want to know why? Why? Because I put him on the air twice, which that last time was just terminally boring, a showstopper, if ever there was one. And he was telling us in a few days they were going to start delivery. Well, now, let's see. This must be Skippy's account now because he used to be Brian Schmutz. So, Skippy, I'll tell you one thing. The same great job that you're doing for Emerald Coast with the raw two different phone numbers in there and that you're doing for Oleomed with a copy from seven years before FDR was born, you're doing for the pizza loft, too, Skippy. He's not good. At least he's consistent because we have no information here about whether they're doing delivery now or what the hell's going on there in the brand-new pizza loft implantation. Wouldn't you think by now, since it's Tuesday, we'd have some information on this? No. And, and, you know, the problem is, see, when I get down there, man, the crap is gonna fly with that sales department. See, I, I'm not some kind of a pussy like our program director and operation manager and all these other jackasses we got down there running around with titles, but no balls, you know? It's one thing to have a title, but if you don't have the balls to go with it, what the hell good does it do, you know? Doesn't do me any good. I'm sitting here with copy that was written before the goddamn station went on the air in 1926. I got copy that was written by Mrs. Carl Fisher. How do you like that? That's right. At the wonderful Isle of Dung. Anyway, Pizza Loft has got some great chow waiting for you at very reasonable prices, big, fresh portions. In fact, uh, every portion is really almost enough for two people. They got delicious pasta dishes and chicken and veal and seafood, calzone, super subs. They got three different kinds of fantastic pizza, the best garlic rolls you've ever popped in your pussy, just, just dripping with garlic. In fact, I guarantee you, when you leave there, you'll have to wash your hands twice, especially if you hang out with Jeff. Pizza Off has got a, you know, the original Broward location, University Drive, between Griffin and 595. Tons and tons of free parking waiting for you right beyond Pier 1 Imports. And now the brand new location. This is the exciting news, and I wish we knew more about it, but uh, Skippy, Skippy's out of touch, okay? He's out touching it, waiting for his free trip to Vegas. Oh yeah. That's right. Our whole sales department's get a free trip for Vegas for such a great job that they're doing a servicing their account. <laughs> We're taking them all to the top of uh, the, what is it? The Stratosphere? Yeah. And what a great trip down that'll be, right to the Strip. I'd love to be there to see it. For takeout or delivery at the original Broward location on University Drive, it's 954-916-8880. And don't forget, the brand-new Loft and Plantations open right now, right on the corner of Knob Hill and Sunrise in that shopping center behind Walgreens. And uh, they're doing something there. Maybe someday we'll find out. This is
5: Sports Radio
2: 560 QAM. Uh, this is Joe Bowen, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you're listening to the Hockey Authority,
3: Neil God. The Pubs, Pubs, dope. The Pubs, Dope, you God him the If he never shot up, chucked. Posting, won't get down alone. We've been churched drunk. The post stops dump. Don't give him the grass. The
5: post stops dump. He likes to suck a man. The post stops dump. He's a groovy head. The post stops dump. The post stops
3: Taking pills and that ain't choking for a grooving pope, First in choking, D.A. took a marijuana smoke. The Pope stops dope. The guy came from the grass. The Pope stops dope. He likes to smoke a man. The Pope
5: stops The Pope stops dope. The grass. The pop smoke dope. He likes to smoke
7: him ass. The pop smoke dope. He's a groovy hater. The pop smoke dope. The pop smoke dope. The pop smoke dope. The pop smoke dope. And how come he ain't going to jail for it, by the way? That's right, he was involved. You don't live in California, U.S. today,
0: where the federal government wants to put you away. 1246 at 560, WPM. Guess who's got new hair that he just found? Mike Siegel. You don't know Mike Siegel, do you? Nope. Old WS News guy, WNWS, a real asshole. He's on the air. His show is out of, like, Seattle or Portland or somewhere. A major asshole. Today I'm going to solve the problems of the medical profession. Next week we're going to solve the problem of that guy, you know? Oh, him. And he's on CNN debating Iraq right now with some broad... And I'm in shock. Is that him on the right? Huh?
1: That's him on the right there? I would think so. It sure ain't the broad on the left. Well, they might have other people on
0: the panel. No, that's him. And so anyway, when I worked with him back at WS News in the Jerry Williams days, he he, he was as bald as a cue ball. He was like a human bowling ball. And you'll notice that you can see where the hair is like sewn. Uh, Are we done with him? No, there he is. is. You can see where it's like sewn on. Those are plugs. Those are plugs? I'm telling you. And then and, and they start, like, way back in the middle of his head. Hey, Mike, if you're going to, like, get a new head of hair, especially since we got the Charles Alpieri spot come out in a couple minutes, uh, you know, it'd be probably a good idea to start, like, a little closer to the uh, front of the uh, hairline. You know what I'm saying? As opposed, like, to way back there in the middle of the head. Well, he, Man, is he, he, he a, a major he really asshole? God, what a putz. I'm not going to get bogged down on him because most of our audience don't remember no Mike Siegel. And those who do are saying, "Oi." But they remember Barbara Studley, though. My friends, the Jewish people. My
3: friends, the Jewish people. I love my love, Israel. I love the Jewish people.
0: God, just enough to make you upchuck. or right-wing born-again Christians loving the Jewish people right into the ground, right into their grave, and everybody else, too, because naturally, if you're not one of them, if you're not born-again Christian like them, even if you're just a plain old pedestrian Christian, that ain't good enough. Just like the fundamentalist Muslims. No difference. Same crap. You don't share their interpretation of these scriptures of the good book. You're going to burn in hell too, baby. So when Jesus comes back, you got to forget about it. You've got no chance. We won't even give you a chance to sign up. Like the Jews. See that? The one third of the Jews that survived, they get a chance to sign on. Everybody else, <coughs> bada bing. Astronomers have discovered a supersized ball of ice and rock. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, I was reading about it this morning as a matter of fact. Half Very the size funny. of the planet Pluto, lurking roughly four billion miles from Earth at the age of our... I love the way it says, Lurking roughly 4 billion miles from Earth at the edge of our solar system. It's only 4 billion miles away. Researchers from the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena unveiled the discovery yesterday at a planetary science meeting in Birmingham, Alabama, where those great intellectuals are hanging out. The object turned up in search of the Kuiper Belt of Comets beyond Pluto, dubbed Quarawar. The icy rock represents the biggest object found in our solar system since the discovery of Pluto in 1930. And Mickey Mouse two years before, in 1928, Steamboat Willie. Its constitution is such that it would be considered a comet if it orbited closer to the sun, which causes ice to vaporize and give off the trademark tail of a comet. Maybe that's what they saw in the uh, Great Southwest. Remember that thing, that story I had right in the right. very beginning? They saw that what they thought and was like a flying object. It was
8: flaming.
0: In recent years, about 500 similar but smaller ice and rock objects have turned up near Pluto. Astronomers hope that the study of the icy objects in the Kuiper belt will reveal conditions from the early years of the solar system's 5 billion year existence. Five billion years, okay, but the good book says it's only 6,000 years, so you figure out the difference. It's interesting because it's the largest one so far. See, we have people of size and then we have crazy people. And the sad part of it is some of the people of science are also, well, look crazy people are trying to justify, try to rationalize all the other bull crap. You know what I'm talking about? People of science about. don't ever make a mistake. Well, like I'm saying, people who claim to be people of science. Right. Will the real people of science please stand up now? Hold up your hand. They and just the know real, if you will. Would. the real good Christians please stand up, the ones that aren't going to lie or hurt anybody? Well, those, uh, I don't see anybody standing up. Will the real Jews stand up? It's time to go to the deli for lunch. Oh, look at that. They all, And all the schwarzes got up, too, at the same time. See, when you mention deli, the schwarzes become Jewish, too. Kind of like our station, like on all the major Jew holidays. I remember at WKAT we had, uh, I told you this before, a black receptionist, very nice young lady, her name was Laverne. And okay. on all the Jewish holidays she became Jewish. I mean, she, you know, why the hell not? Everybody else was. Maybe she was a falasha. It was the Jew station. Boy, I tell you, poor Mark Forrester. Remember his son called in that one day, one of our salespeople from KAT? Mark Forrester. He used to pop pills by the handful. And I think he's still alive. He's still around. His son called in the show one day a couple of years ago. And he used to have a nervous breakdown because, uh, and also Bob Allen. Remember, his son also called in. No. Nope. But unlike Mark Forster, Bob Allen sleeps with the fishes. But at any rate, they used to have a nervous breakdown because everybody would call us the Jewish station. It might be beach station, which, of course, it was licensed to the beach. But you're the Jewish station, you know, which is why we got all those free meals at the Famous. Mmm, man. Ten till one at 560 WQM. If you want your hair back, uh, it's so timely, you know. You can look like Mike Siegel with those silly plugs. My God, does he look like a silly goose or, or what? Or you can look like a mensch, like a real man. That's the difference. I mean, as soon as you see him on there, even if he didn't know him in the past, you say to yourself, That's, that looks ridiculous. And people like you guys out there are not in a position to be made to look ridiculous. So if you want to look silly, if you want to have the blood dripping down your forehead from the holes in your head, or if you want to like take some of those dangerous pills, which maybe might grow two or three follicles a year, Forget about that. Get yourself the natural hairline system from Charles Alfieri that I've been telling you about for a coon's age on this show. No hair system in the world at any price looks better, and it's very affordable, too. And please don't forget, when you call Chuck Alfieri's studios, mention Neil Rogers, they'll knock 200 bucks off the regular price. So for a pittance, you could look better and younger than you have in a hell of a long time. And Charlie also repairs and services all kinds of hair systems while you wait for only 25 to 30 bucks. In fact, maybe he can repair a Mike Siegel's hair piece, you know? Maybe like a little forest fire couldn't hurt. And if you don't, you've got nothing to lose but the bald spot because Charlie gives you that money-back guarantee. If you don't love the way it looks and feels within 30 days, Charlie will give you a full refund. Just say, hey, here's your damn hair back. Give me my money back. No problem. So make that call today. They'll give you a free consultation with no obligation and show you how spiffy they can make you look. Call 1-800-321-2413. That's 1-800-321-2413. Or log on to their website at charlesalfieri.com. Or you can also look like Mo. Why?
2: Why? Sports Radio 560
6: C U S U A M. Did you fucking look at me? <laughs> Why the hell am I always getting raped by men?
2: You have a nice back, Mo. Why,
6: sure, but I don't ever get raped by brothers.
2: Women don't rape men.
6: Eh, that's too bad.
2: There is such a thing as an attractive man, you know, Mo.
6: What do you know, you crumb? What are you some kind of fairy? Why don't you go be another monkey for the organ grind down the hall?
2: I'm not a queer. What do
6: you know about being queer, you moron? I've been right enough to know the difference.
2: Sorry, Mo. Ah. Now see here,
6: we're supposed to be talking about sports here, not about good-looking men. Just men in general and nothing else. This is sports radio over here. We love men. Ah. But I got to say, have a pert. Why, well, just the other night, I saw this commercial on overnight TV. When this guy was crawling out of the ocean, see? <laughs> on this island filled with strippers, not abroad. They looked okay. But this guy in the commercial, I would say, in an objective sort of way, he was pretty cute. <laughs> you see that? You're laughing. You're laughing. Did I give you clearance to laugh?
8: Was this for a strip joint mo? <laughs> yeah. And the guy was crawling
2: on the island. You thought he was cute? Yeah, that's right.
6: Now you asked me to be objective. I us, <laughs> and you still make fun of me. <laughs> you wanna get fired again? <laughs> that guy there had pinchable jowls.
5: He <laughs> was so goddamn funny. <laughs> that was George!
6: <laughs> organ Grinder's monkey? <laughs> you know.
2: Maybe I am in love with that mango munching spick.
6: He certainly does make a thing on my nose glow like a neon rainbow. Hmm. One thing quiet must have been just a reaction to suppress the truth of how I feel. But I can't let anybody know how
2: much I want to after his face. Get out of here, all of you. are all nuts. You're all... Hey. I can't move.
8: Look at the bulge in your pants, Mo. Oh,
6: no. If I move the wrong way, I'll...
8: Uh Hey, everybody. Mo messed his pants.
6: (laughs) you Ow! Don't wait, Mo. fifty seven at 560
0: WQM. It's uh, one of those love-hate things, I guess, you know? He loves and you hate. Or is it the other way around? I'm not sure. Just like him with the Beast, same thing. The Beast was silenced this morning, by the way, on the Mo Howard-David show. The beast was in there like co-hosting with Gully because Mo took the day off after the strenuous ball game on Sunday, and I guess probably a really strenuous evening last night watching his Braves get beaten, eliminated from this year's uh, playoffs. And there was the beast trying to do his duty, and then all of a sudden their phone rang on a bat line. I guess it must have been in no uncertain terms: no more from the beast. Let him do those updates. No Mo from the beast. And that's that's the end of that. So I think we'll be having him making too many more appearances on that morning show anytime in the near future. Do you? No. In fact, there you go. In fact, if you want to worm your way in there, since you don't have that new contract yet, just as kind of a protective measure, you might, uh, you know, after hearing that last bit, what what am I going to add? You might read some of those updates in the morning. He might take a shine to you. Remember G. David Shine and Roy Cohn? Anyway, one year later, no anthrax culprit found yet. You know something? I amazed myself today. You want to know why? Was that? I had a pile of stuff here halfway to the ceiling, and I thought to myself, Sir, see, the secret to it was I got right to it. We gave the poll out right in the beginning, and right like at 9.15 or whatever after the first break, I got right to all the stuff here, and I'm like almost all the way, just about all the way through it. You mean we didn't monkey around? We didn't monkey around enough, that's right. Maybe we can do a little monkey around tomorrow when Moe is back. In fact, maybe Moe will come on here and step up. What was that expression he was using about... Uh, Uh, be accountable, that's it. Maybe he'll be accountable finally for the reason why the Beast was taken off the air this morning, only allowed to do the updates and not smooth with Gully or make any other editorial comments. Maybe he can uh, stand up front about that because he's always telling everybody else, even broadcasters, we have to be accountable for what we do. And, of course, chasing Carolyn down the hall to Power 96 and everybody else off that show because they just don't suit his fancy. But based on what I just heard on that last bit, maybe you'll suit his fancy. Maybe, like I said, he'll take a shine to you. I'll wear a fancy suit. And you can start watching some ball games and, uh, you know, do the stats and the uh, football games there and teach him how to pronounce the uh, place kicker's name right. Anyway, we're not going to have time for the anthrax story, no, like I, can. I said. Not. We, well, we, we covered not. just about everything today, maybe from A to Z and in between. And we even had a little Britney action in there, too, for you this morning before the show. To keep that was her re- fun. To keep her. It was, uh, she looked pretty damn good, I'll tell you that. Yeah. She looked really good. Anyway, 524 votes. Who represents the greatest threat to the world today? George W. Bush, 148. Born Again Christians, 135. Mohaw David, 75. Living right up to his age. Al-Qaeda, 57. Iraq, 50. Saudi Arabia, 24. Israel, 23. And Iran, as fast as I can. be heaven, 12. Bye, bye, bye. The Neil Rogers Show on 560
5: WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. I love eating nuts. As pretty as the win against the Jets was, that's how.